I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So Who cares about what people think about us. Yeah, I like football, I like football season and all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Pelzolo back here with Sam Monson, and it is week 11 in the NFL, and we're going to preview every game except Thursday Night Football because we already did that yesterday, Sam, Yeah. on the Wednesday edition, which I know you already listened to or watched. If you haven't, go check it out because we previewed Patriots-Falcons, but it's time to get into all the week 11 games. How you doing, man? Good. You? Good. Feel good about my intro again. That's another smooth one. It's back good. to back now. Days. Now you got to make sure that it doesn't cost you the ad reads like it did yesterday. Yeah, we need a, a good show start to finish right. here. Right, just 100% start to perfection. Extra ads today, too. Just Extra saying. ads. We have, well, we have, a lot of, we have a lot of great sponsors who want to be a part of this, including that one. Look, PFF wants to be a part of this. I don't think they're a sponsor. Oh, well, they're, uh, they're the flagship of the show here. Uh, you get 25% off using the promo code NFLPOD on any PFF subscription. I do suggest you go get in right now because we got all sorts of goodies coming out. We got all our betting stuff, our fantasy stuff, and of course the draft guide, both preseason version and the real version coming out in a couple months. So you get in right now, 365 days of access for 25% off using the promo code NFLPOD. Uh, one housekeeping item, Sam, is that we're going to play some baseball Friday night at the University of Cincinnati. If we can get a catcher. Yes. Still looking for a catcher. If somebody's out there right now, live in YouTube land. Turns out this is a hell of a lot harder than it seems like it should be. This is my offseason. When I was a when I was a, a professional player in the offseason trying to find somebody to catch so that I could get my work in, I was professional. They paid me to play for eight years. They, uh, it was tough to find a catcher. It was tough to find somebody willing to, uh, to catch. 92 miles an hour would sink. You know what I mean? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Not everybody wanted to do that. Well, we need somebody. We do. <laughs> so look, we're still working on it. We need we need somebody. If you're a catcher, if you're in the Cincinnati area, somebody from like St. X or something like. That. Is there a catcher right. from St. X that listens to us? Want to be part of a cool video, the podcast, the whole shebang at UC? It'll be awesome. But we need somebody because <laughs> otherwise, otherwise we're gonna have to do this in two installments. Can Renner throw the gear on? We Renner need the gear do. as well. Like that's the problem. The yeah, catcher well, needs to bring his own crap because we don't have any. Come on, you. And, Come on, UC. If you're if UC's backup catcher is listening to us too, I mean, you are we allowed to give gifts for his name, image, well, and we likeness? Were, now we were working on the basis that yeah, now it's an NIL thing, right? We're yeah. going to be using his likeness because he, he he'll be on the video, right? Like my I always tell the story. My my college coach bought me that uh, you know uh, egg bacon egg and cheese sandwich from Dunks. Could have got you illegally back in league. 2002, yeah. and I'm probably ineligible now retroactively. But now we can for name, image, and likeness we can. Maybe that's what I'm saying. Get a Chick Fil A gift card. Or, you know, <laughs> we could hook the guy up. A Thirty pack of beer or whatever he wants. You yeah. know. So, I'm we, just we saying, need a catcher. It will be worth your while. So we're going to do that, presumably. So anyway, catcher or not, we're going to be doing it tomorrow. The only question is whether I'm whether the stretch goal part of it, i.e., me catching, happens tomorrow, or whether we need to somehow reconvene and do that at a different time. But the batting part will definitely be happening tomorrow, even if you have to throw the ball at nothing. 
and just recycle the ball once it hits the fence or whatever the hell is going to be behind me. That part will be happening. That part will be happening. <clears throat> also, my it. favorite new part of this, right? Uh, initially, you know, the dream was to just catch one and hit it far. Yeah. Tyler apparently is going to be bringing his drone safe in the knowledge that there's no possible way the drone can be hit You're by the hit baseball. The I'm just saying that would be kind of funny, you know? I understand it's quite an expensive piece of equipment, and to him it wouldn't be funny. I, I might laugh if we, if we nail one and it takes the drone out of the sky. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't either, but, safe. you know. It's <laughs> a better goal maybe than You've got to go in with a positive mental attitude to these things, right? It is true. It is true. I can't wait. I'm going to get all – get my uppers – coffee and uh pretty much just coffee at this point you were uh, you also sent out an appeal on twitter for something called spider tank is yeah. that legal uh am i gonna need to have somebody inspect do we have inspect is the there ball? a committee are there rules on what yeah i'll bring the baseballs too by the way uh oh yeah i'm sure you will Probably like spider tank is now frowned upon by major league baseball frowned recently. upon or outlawed Pretty sure it's always been illegal, but guys have gotten away with it. But I don't know. Do you do you want to adhere to those rules? Yes. Are we under? Yes. Major we are under rules? MLB official. We are under MLB regulations here. I'm just saying. I don't want spin you do- rates not what it once was, and spider attack would. No, help. I don't want you doing anything that would enhance your ability to throw the ball with movement. I also made a call for Buster Posey to maybe catch. Now that he's retired, that was ambitious. You know, just a couple of retired ball players having some fun and, yeah. and uh, reliving the old, the glory days of the Fresno Grizzlies, 2019. Mm. And uh, what, what I haven't heard back were? from Buster. He's not a big. Uh, he's not on Twitter a lot. Shocker. Yeah, he's got four kids too, much like me. And it's busy times when you got four kids. I'm guessing he has more help with a <laughs> probably <laughs> with a proper professional like MLB career behind him probably has a nanny or two yeah. over there buster but uh anyway uh we're trying we're still trying to make that all happen and we're gonna we're gonna do it um you ready to get into the games yeah anything else we got to touch on here uh no i don't think so i mean we're doing that the uh the link is still there on my pin tweet uh for donations we are still taking over so uh donate but that will happen tomorrow i would imagine monday we may have some video evidence i don't know how long it'll take tyler to put it together maybe wednesday maybe thursday whatever it will be coming soon um but it's happening uh it's happening on friday all right let's get into week 11 and we always start with our games of the week best games of the week and the cowboys and the chiefs has to be the actual game of the week two of the best teams in the nfl and now that the chiefs are completely back the uh, the tone has changed again. It is it is amazing that we are we're not supposed to ride the roller coaster here, Sam at PFF. We're not roller coaster riders. We're consistent and let the data tell the story. But we fall into the trap of the sky is falling, and now the Chiefs are back within within four days. I mean, it's just it's all changed. So uh, the Chiefs are back, and they're favored by two and a half at home against the Dallas Cowboys. What are we looking for in this game? Did we fall into that trap, or are we just repeating the trap that others have fell into? I think. I don't know. Well, what was the trap? Was the trap overreacting to uh, a three-game stretch and a little bit more from the Chiefs' offense failing? Well, here's the thing. If if your uh, journey over the last couple of weeks goes a little bit like this, um, the Chiefs are fine. There's no problem whatsoever. The only issue is turnovers. Everything else— Name names. There's a bunch of people. I will not—I don't need to name names. Several people were of this opinion. And I'm just saying, if your journey was— Okay, everything is fine. There's no problem with the Chiefs' offense other than turnovers, and those are random and fluky. They will go away, and when they do, everything is good. And then all of a sudden, oh, wow, 
Actually, the Chiefs' offense is totally broken. Even when they're winning games, they can't get anything done. This is a disaster. When somebody shows them a too-high look, they can't even function. This is a mess. And then, oh, look, there we go. We played the Raiders. They can, they can score again. Everything's good. If that was your journey, you were overreacting and almost certainly wrong in every possible step along the way. Uh, if your journey didn't look like that, though, you might be okay. You might have charted some kind of middle ground through this rapids of madness. Um, I think the Chiefs offense has had some problems all the way through the year. Um, they didn't all get fixed against, they didn't like all manifest just in those couple of games that they won where they didn't look great. And they didn't all get fixed just because they played the Raiders. Now, the interesting thing is now they get to face Dallas, whose defense comes from the same family tree as the Raiders. It's not quite the same. They, they do mix it up a little bit more. But the Cowboys are essentially faced with the same dilemma that the Raiders had last week. Over here is the game plan that slows down Kansas City this year. Over here is what you do, usually. Now, which game plan do you want to roll with? Because the last team that stayed over here got their ass kicked. Do you want to try that again because you, you think you have a better shot at it? Or do you want to go over here to the thing that's been working? Um, and then, of course, the other X factor in here is... Did simply playing a game like that for Kansas City fix a lot of the Spark problems? Them and, and right. Them, like, did it just shake right. them out of their funk and remind them that they're an elite offense and that they can score at will and all of the things? Like, even if, even if Dallas does game plan number one, the one that should function against the Chiefs, does it work anymore, right? Because let's say they do that. They force Kansas City to be patient and to take the underneath stuff. Maybe they can now because all of a sudden they're riding a high wave of confidence after one game. Yeah, I'm, as always, kind of in the middle of all of that stuff, right? Without a, a strong take either way. I was of the mind that the Chiefs aren't as bad as they showed for three straight weeks, but did run into particular game plans that took them off their game. So did we actually learn anything new when, the you know, to your point, the Raiders didn't roll out the game plan that had been slowing them down. I don't know that we did. And that it did feel like old school Chiefs for a couple of reasons. First off, Patrick Mahomes threw for over 400 yards and five touchdowns, but also he had some interception luck bouncing back his way with a couple of dropped interceptions, whether they were all his fault or not. He, they happened. They, those were game changers. And uh, we saw an offense create uh, explosive plays with Mahomes not necessarily playing his best game. He was fine. He was good. He put the ball in harm's way a couple times. Um, but it wasn't a, a, a throw-for-throw dominant game from Patrick Mahomes. A couple nice ones in there, but still don't have the big-time throws. So I, I think a lot of the same concerns are still in there for the Chiefs. It's just going to be a matter of will the Cowboys in this game you know, go away from what, they're, what they do. They're not as single-high, cover-one, cover-three heavy as the Raiders. They They are more likely to play man. They're fourth highest as far as just uh, man coverage percentage in the NFL, Dallas. Uh, so they could play man. But I think they're also more likely to play man with uh, extra helpers, so to speak, the way you, uh, the way a Patriots team would play one, uh, cover one but have their linebackers and their safeties give extra attention to Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill and continue to make Byron Pringle beat you, right? You want to come under this game if you're Dallas and say, okay, Byron Pringle, Michael Hardman, you guys, it's your game beat us i think dan quinn in dallas is more likely to do that yep i think i think that's true um i don't think they're going to roll they're not going to pivot to like a pure you know cover two type of defense what I, I i remain really interested by the fact that patrick mahomes essentially publicly said 
this is the type of defense I don't want to play. Like he told Chris on the broadcast or, you know, in the production meetings or whatever, that that's not how he likes to play the game, right? He doesn't want to be forced into playing this conservative, boring, patient style of offense. He lives outside of that. He likes making the big plays, which is essentially just a giant bullhorn to every defense in the NFL to say, all right, he may beat you anyway, but he really doesn't want to do this. So like essentially the name of the game on defense is let's put the opposition into a situation they don't want to be in because they're not going to be as good there. Mahomes just told everybody what that is. Now it doesn't mean it will work, but absolutely if you're possible, if you're capable of doing that, that should be your starting point. Like make Patrick Mahomes do the thing that he has publicly said he doesn't want to do. Yes, make him do it. And again, I, there have it's it's not completely foreign territory for the Chiefs to have teams try to take away deep shots and all that stuff. In right. the past, they have had success. And obviously, with it. it's easier said than done, right? No, of course, like, nobody goes out there with a defense designed to give up the deep. The they deep would shot. Have, they would have stopped it in 2018 if it was that easy. Right. They would have you know adjusted after five weeks instead of you know three and a half years. So it will be a good, I think, a good cat and mouse game. The other, the other stat or grade that stands out to me that I think is is interesting, in the in the three weeks where the Chiefs' offense was horrible, they had three of their four best pass blocking grades. I've pointed this out before, right? The offensive line, at least from a pass pro standpoint, was not the reason that this passing attack was not working. Yeah. Last week. The Raiders actually got pressure. Like Max Crosby had over ten pressures again. You know he was. Uh, they were 13. moving Mahomes. Thirteen pressures. That's a monster. He had a number. win rate of forty-one percent on it's, on like forty rushes. It's insane. That's I mean, a nuts. good win rate's about twenty. Yes, a good one's twenty. Right, and he was over 40. and the lower the number of rushes you have, the easier it is to have an absurdly high ru- win rate. To get a win rate of forty-one percent from thirty-nine rushes is madness. And we'll talk about Crosby against the Bengals coming up soon. Or right? if he does that again, you know, could be a long day for Joe Burrow. But this was an example where if you were coming out of that game. There's no way you would be like, man, that Max Crosby really played a disruptive game. You, I mean, you might if you're really watching that, but it didn't affect anything because Mahomes threw for over 405 touchdowns and the Chiefs scored 41 points. Nobody was saying Max Crosby dominated that game, but my point is they didn't have the best offensive line effort that they had had all season, but the offense was back clicking, and it was because they had open receivers. They had people to throw to, and Mahomes did make some of his magic on certain plays, right? So uh, it... it the offensive line is still good. They should probably they should probably play. They, they could they could. My point is they could lose again a bunch to Dallas, but it comes down to Mahomes making throws and the receivers getting open. And if that happens again, it's tough for Dallas to stop them. On the other side, Chiefs are trending in the right direction from a defensive standpoint. Three great three uh, three straight games in the green. It was against Daniel Jones. It was against Jordan Love, and it was against you know Derek Carr and the Raiders. That was that was the most impressive one, I would say, based off how the Raiders have been playing this year. Raiders still trying to find their way without maybe you know without their deep threat. But is this Chiefs defense back on track after great and you know in the in the red and orange and the bad you know the yeah. first five or six weeks of the season? That's that's a really fascinating part of this. It, their defense was really good last week, um, but obviously the Raiders' offense has been sputtering the past couple of weeks as well. Um, Dallas has. Dallas is in really good shape on offense. Now, even if they don't have Tyron Smith back at left tackle, they showed last week that they've got some adjustments now for the fact that Terrence Steele is not going to be a particularly good left tackle. They were chipping. They were doing a lot of smart things to make sure that he wasn't one-on-one with 
pass rushers a lot, and that was against Atlanta, who don't have any pass rushers, right? So they were willing, they were prepared with the offensive game plan to protect him, even though he was going to have about as easy a matchup as it's going to get. Um, the Chiefs have some horses that are capable of beating him, but they have that protection inbuilt. Plus, Tyron Smith might be back anyway. And if he's back anyway, like it's a completely different proposition. Then you have an entire offensive line in really good shape. Dak Prescott, those running backs that are doing an incredible job, the receivers that they can go four or five deep and make plays, tight ends, like they have weapons. At that point, it seems really hard to imagine the Chiefs' defense slowing them down that much. So the question becomes, like, where is Kansas City's offense? Because we could be in for like a real fun shootout in this game. Yeah, I definitely expect Dallas to have a lot of success against the Chiefs' defense. I, I, you know, again, unless you get just one of those weird games, the Denver game two weeks ago for Dallas was weird. It, and is it because? Was Dak just rusty coming back? And he wasn't even that bad. It was it was like when he made a good throw, it got dropped. He missed he missed a few throws as well. Uh, if Dak plays, and that to was his, the Terrence Steele game with no adjustments. It was. Uh, Dak has been excellent against the blitz. Kansas City third down, they're dropping, they're bringing zero blitz like twenty percent of the time. That's a huge number. Um, so they're going to attack. And I think the way you beat the blitz. Again, it, it, it's it's less pass protection and more guys getting open. And nobody, no team is as equipped as the Cowboys to get people open quickly, you know, because they have Amari Cooper, they have C.D. Lamb, they have Michael Gallup back. I mean, Dallas has all of the answers for the blitz. So looking at what Spags does defensively for the Chiefs, that side of the ball is going to be interesting as well. Do you actually attack Dak Prescott and the Cowboys because they have been torching the blitz so far this season. Yeah, I mean, I think because of all the weapons they have, they are becoming one of those offenses that I don't want to go after that way. Nobody has more first downs against the blitz uh, through the air than Dak Prescott, and of course he missed a game. Uh, more touchdowns than anyone else, passer rating high, production's high, all of it. So that that battle's going to be good. Um, again, I, th- I, think, I think I land somewhere in between on what the Chiefs are. I there was no way they should have been as bad as they were defensively earlier in the year. So are we just looking at a Chiefs team, which is what they were last year? You know, they can game plan it up week to week. They're okay up front. Chris Jones can take over some games for whatever that's worth. And they're 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 solid on the back end. I know Daniel Sorensen's been that guy. I was saying, oh, he's been targeted this whole year. But Legereus Sneed and their, you know, their corners are pretty good. I mean, they're okay. They're good enough. Rashad Fenton's grading well. I think the Chiefs are going to be okay defensively but then you defer back to how to evaluate defense and they're always going to take a back seat to a really good offense so I think Dallas has a lot of success in this game yeah and then it puts the pressure to your point on the Chiefs offense keeping up and what happens on that side of the ball so what are you thinking in this one Chiefs by two and a half this week I like Dallas I like Dallas to win on the road really yeah I'm back on the Kansas City bandwagon. Oh, did you tot up last week? Where where are we? I don't think you want to see it. <laughs> last week. Was it as bad as you the week before? Uh, no. no. You were a game better. Excellent. You were 4-10 last week. Great. I was 7-7. Seven and seven. Huh. So that brings my four-week total and your three-week totals now. Uh, I'm 27-25, and 25, my four-week total, including my 10-2 and two that I kept track of. Yeah. If you take that out. I'm Less good, yeah. Yeah. You're 16 and 24. That's not great. It's not great. No. Go not, with uh, not great at all. Go with Green Line. So yeah, you should probably listen to Green Line. Probably go. Where's Green Line in this game? Let's find out. 
You could go look where Greenline is if you have a PFF subscription, which you can get 25% off if you use the promo code NFLPOD. It's not even there signing me in. I got to sign in. Oh, yeah. I had to re- I'll re-sign in, too. Did they just... Uh... What they do today? Everybody uh-huh. have to sign in to your account today. All right, over at PFF. Greenline. So here we go. This is a perfect example, right? You could go with me with my terrible goddamn record of like eight games under five hundred or whatever I am, or you could go Greenline, who thinks that the Chiefs not only will uh, win but actually cover the two and a half. Yeah, the, the choice is yours. I'm not saying which is better or worse, but you know, the Chiefs have vaulted back up to the top of our power rankings on the back of that one game. Now, it's not just the one game. There, and this is the other reason why maybe you sh- we shouldn't have overreacted to three or four weeks. I mean, it's three years of evidence of what Patrick Mahomes is and what the, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, what this offense is. So that's why they're back at the top. I'll yeah, take the Chiefs. The offense was never as bad as the crisis, you know, like, oh, no, oh, no, the sky is falling. But neither, neither is it true that the sky only started falling in the last two weeks. Like, the problems have been there through the entire season, they were just never as catastrophic as they looked because of all the turnovers. The thing is, just like we talked about yesterday and how McVay has been at these pivotal points in his career, I think this is is the first somewhat pivotal point in Mahomes' career and in him and Andy Reid and Eric Biennemi all getting together and saying, okay, we're going to see this game plan again. Maybe it's not Dallas this week. It'll probably be Denver in week 13. They like to play that style. We'll see if uh, the Raiders in week 14 – adjust back the chargers will play that style again in week 15 right they're going to run into these game plans again do you have answers for it you know the chiefs hit this pivotal point where you do have to make some adjustments and um so i don't know that we got enough answers in that raiders game that the chiefs are completely back but here i am buying into it i'll take the chiefs to cover the two and a half the other thing i want to buy into sam Mm -hmm. manscaped Mm. they just launched their new products including the all-new ultra-premium body wash and two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use promo code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. Now, this week, we're giving away multiple performance package 4.0s. Rate and review the podcast right here, the PFF NFL podcast. Leave your email uh, or some sort of contact, social media, whatever it might be, and we'll choose winners at the end of the week inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to re- reduce cuts on your nuts or maybe even your head, which we're going to try out. Maybe on your excuse me, your scalp. You're we're going to try out? Aren't you going to try that out? You I mean, shape? whether I try it out or not, it's not a we. This is not a team participation No, no, sport. no, not we. Like, we're, I mean, we're a team, but that's going to be you maybe trying it out on your head, right? I mean... Maybe. Scalp. Yeah. You should. It's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. We already know it handles the rain, snow, and the sleet. We already know all that. Uh, we mentioned the two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It has the key ingredients that, and benefits that include hydrating, nourishing, conditioning the scalp so you can shave your head, throw the conditioner on your bald head, and uh, strengthen your hair at the same time. Not you, but you know, other people can strengthen their hair at the same time. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products. Get yourself, your dad, your brother, your friends, the best gift of all, Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping. Manscaped.com. Use the code PFF. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this season. It's <laughs> going to be a great holiday season here over here with, uh, with Manscaped. Our uh, that's a great line. That, that's better than Jingle Balls to the Wall. It is. You think so? Yeah, definitely. I would still break that out. No. Like, I mean, yeah, look, it's a nice, it's a catchy line, but the other one brings so much more imagery 
to the table, yeah. you know? You standing there, proud as punch, just showing Santa what, you, what you've done, you know? Making him proud. Yeah, make Santa proud with uh, promo code PFF at manscaped.com. Indianapolis Colts at the Buffalo Bills. Old school AFC East matchup here. We got a little Jeff George. It's a Jeff George matchup. Oh, yeah. Jeff George, Jim Kelly. Jeff George now plays for the Buffalo Bills, according to you, your comp. Um, I do, yeah, I watch some, uh, anyway, Buffalo's favored by seven. I do watch some uh, old football games every now and again. I'm always attracted to old Broncos games, in addition to my Jaguars games. But uh, watch the Broncos every now and again. And when you watch John Elway play football, there are more and more comparisons to uh, the way Josh Allen plays. Yeah. Like I was watching, I think it was like a 1993 game the other day, and Elway's just sitting in the pocket, sitting in the pocket, and just throws like a 40-yard laser beam for a touchdown. And it was that was Josh Allen last week against the Jets. And it was, yeah, it was against the Jets, but eight big-time throws from Josh Allen in that game. Precision down the field. Not precision manscaped, but precision yeah. passing down the field uh, from Allen. And a lot of times where it's just like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and then just, boom, laser beam. So seven points, though, in this game for a Colts team that's uh, been pretty good over these last few weeks. A little underwhelming last week against the Jags, but what are you looking for in this one? Yeah, I think this is an interesting game and an interesting line because uh, because of a few things. One, um, we're starting to see that Colts offensive line now they got everybody back. And like that is it makes them a different team. Like when they have that five offensive line healthy, this is not the same Colts team it was earlier in the season. And they are able to run the ball at will. You know, you look at the holes they're opening up for Jonathan Taylor and him looking like a superstar. Buffalo's defense, I think, is, is a, it's a really good unit this year. But they are not particularly strong up front. Like, they, they will struggle to anchor against the kind of offensive line power that the Colts can bring to the table in the run game in particular. So if the Colts can actually run the ball consistently against Buffalo, Carson Wentz generally has been playing a pretty clean brand of football this year. Now, I know that sounds kind of ridiculous because you can think of the absurd, you know, left-handed pitch to random people while he's in the grasp or, you know, the pick six out of the end zone. Like, ridiculous plays. Um, But he only has, like, what, 10 turnover-worthy plays on the year? And seven of them came in those two games, right? Right. The, The rainstorm in San Francisco and the next game against Tennessee. So outside of that, he's actually been playing... A pretty, flaw, a pretty mistake-free brand of football. Even with those seven ridiculous turnover-worthy plays in there, his turnover-worthy play rate is by far the lowest of his career in this season. So if they have that dominant run game, the offensive line keeps him protected, and he doesn't you know, randomly implode with a three or four ridiculous play game, like that offense becomes, I think... In, uh, an offense that Buffalo is going to struggle to deal with. Yeah, and look, early in the season, I said with, with Wentz, I'd, I'd want to see him attacking down the field a little bit more. That started to trend in the right direction prior to the Jags game. It was trending in the right direction when you saw him, again, outside the rainstorm with the river rain, uh, against Houston, over 10 average depth of target. It was actually 13. It was only 20 dropbacks, but or 20 throws, but Wentz attacking down the field. The Tennessee game, attack down the field, yeah, you had some bad passes in there, some turnover-worthy plays, but I think that's going to be where the Colts are at their best. Um, My concern with the Colts a little bit was the Jags' pass rush really got to them last week. And as great as their offensive line is supposed to be, and they're finally back and healthy and the whole deal, uh, they haven't 
they have not protected Wentz all that well. And if if and when he's under pressure again against Buffalo, then what happens to those left-handed passes? That's what I'm looking for. What happens when Wentz throws the ball left-handed this week? Because sometimes it's an interception. Sometimes it's a two-yard gain on th- third and three like it was last week. There's going to be another left-handed Wentz pass, and that might determine the outcome here of, of this game because he just keeps doing it. He keeps there's trying a prop to make for that. What's that? You think there's a prop for that? There Over, should be. Under now. on Wentz left-handed passes, he's 0.5. Doing it, he's doing it more than Mahomes right now. Um the Colts, the Colts defense too has also just been an absolute roller coaster ride. And when we've talked, we we're also one week removed from talking about a Josh Allen blueprint, which was similar to the right. Mahomes one. And the Colts defense is the team that plays that bend yeah. but don't break, you know, conservative type of style and, uh, generally. And just like the Raiders game last week, I don't know if that like one game changed everything. Like the Jets. <laughs> the, the Buffalo Bills offense got right last week, but then they played the Jets, who can't stop anything, right? The Jets yeah. have given up like a million points this year. They've given up more points in four games than the Baltimore Ravens did in 2000, like the whole year. Um, their defense, like the, the Bills could have done anything they wanted on offense last week, and it would have worked. So does that mean that everything that happened before in terms of teams starting to frustrate the Bills offense a little bit, the way they were with the Chiefs, goes out the window? Or does it mean you just don't see it because it was the Jets? So the Colts, I think, all right, their defense isn't great at all, but it's a lot better than the Jets. And I think they actually do have a, a chance of playing that style of defense to force Josh Allen back into that mode of, you know, playing the boring conservative game. And again, my, my whole narrative on these guys is Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes has admitted it. They just don't like playing the game that way. But at some point, you have to earn the right not to unless you're facing the Jets. Yeah. You're a big throw-the-games-out throw type of guy. In Right? Chiefs and Bills both bounce back in uh, games. Maybe we should – do we throw out the Raiders game because you didn't, you didn't see, have the same test? Do you throw out the Jets game because they've given up 40 points a game over the last four weeks? I don't think you throw them out, but I think those are not instructive for how specific other games going to go. Right? You don't – even if, even if it was 100% true that, hey, if you play like, let's say you play an old-school Tampa 2 type of defense, that's how you shut down this offense, and then you face the Jets and they put up like a million points, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be any indication that that was no longer true. Right. It would just be they face the Jets, who don't do that and are terrible. So the same with the, the only – the Raiders one I think gets more complicated because I think there's a real chance that the Chiefs' offense was – one of their biggest issues was like a lack of confidence at that point. And I think there's, some, there's definitely a non-zero chance that simply having a game like that removes that part of the equation. So even if the next team puts them in the same bind that the Giants or whoever were doing before, I'm not sure it has the same effect because I think the Chiefs are in a different headspace than they were when that was happening. Um, but for the Bills... I don't, I don't think that's the same – I don't think the same thing was at work. I don't think the Bills' offense was, like, low on confidence when this was happening. I think they were just starting to be frustrated by these coverage shells they were looking at, and the Jets just didn't put them in that spot. Yeah, that's why I think the Colts – the Colts have the pieces to at least slow down the Bills' offense a little bit here. Um, ninth worst coverage grade, that's not great. They've been picked apart a little bit, but the pass rush – the ninth best in Indianapolis to Forrest Buckner on the interior, take advantage of those Bills guards. All those opportunities are on the table for the Colts to at least keep it close. I think at some point, too, if the Colts are – they're 5-5. Five and five. They are um, 
again, I keep pointing back to that Ravens game, man. They could be 6-4 and four and very much in the thick of everything. But the Colts have a chance to, to get back on track. It's a huge game for them, for their season. Uh, and I think it's on Carson Wentz to start making a few more plays down the field. If you, you talk about the turnover-worthy plays being down, but Carson Wentz is also low on his big-time throw rate this year. And that's, I think, the benefit of having a Carson Wentz is the ability to create those big throws down the field. He is capable of it. And to me, that's Indianapolis needs a lot of that stuff to go right. Wentz making big plays. Darius Leonard, you know, uh, peanut punching balls out again. And, like, he's been doing forcing fumbles. I don't know if the Colts have it in him, but seven does feel like a lot. I think the Colts will at least keep this one closer. So I'm going to lean Colts to cover the seven here. Where are you going? Same. Again, right. worth noting that Greenline disagrees with us. <clears throat> well, go listen to Greenline if you're actually doing stuff. Um, and listen to us about X-Chair, new PFF NFL podcast sponsor. Working from home is more important now than ever, and you can optimize your home office with an X-Chair in our many accessories to enhance your focus, productivity, energy, and comfort once you feel the customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar. That's the DVL. There's no going back. I'm nailing these things, too. I have to it's get beautiful. That. It's beautiful. It's a great show so mm-hmm. far. Don't mess with it. No. You don't talk about no hitters when you're in the midst of it. Mm. It's all in the LMX massage and temperature regulation, exclusively designed and made for X-Chair. With versatile comfort and extraordinary design, X-Chair fits any space. Plus, even Steve can put it together with his own two hands and the tools that they gave me. <laughs> High performance, quality engineering, extreme comfort. These are all the reasons I love my X-Chair. Actually, I, I do love it. It's got the massage awesome. features, great. The heating and the cooling. I got all those features. I got the headrest, like I said, for the naps the other day. And uh, even when I'm not working, I still still like to sit in my X chair because it's because uh, it's comfortable. So take my advice. Try the X chair for yourself, risk free for 30 days. You go to xchairnflpod.com. That's the letter X chair nflpod.com or call one eight four 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 X chair for hundred dollars off your order. Hundred bucks off. X chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month it's xchairnflpod.com and if you're watching on youtube check out the link in the description x chair that's what austin does nice like this. Yeah, is yeah. that why they like it's it beautiful x chair yeah yeah that they'll love that he's now. gonna be like their uh their spokesperson yeah. it's uh he's gonna be the the jesse cofield of, of x chair jesse cofield <laughs> yeah. of draftkings.com it's hype it's super uh, customizable as well like at home our office is all white so we actually have a white one. There's a lot of different colors. Yeah, you yeah. got a white one. Huh? I didn't know that. Right. And, cl- and saying different colors, different uh, materials and stuff. People were asking why we're not sitting in X chairs right here. And the reason is because this table is like nine feet in the air and we have to be in like giant bar stools. So yeah, yeah. if we were sitting in the X chairs, this would look a little bit worse. We have to ramp up the chair. I don't know if it goes that high. No. Yeah. We should try. We should see if we can, though. I would much rather be sitting in an X chair than this thing for. We would need, like, I think we would need some form of giant box to place it on in order for this this table to work. We could just, I mean, Austin has his upstairs. We could just steal his, bring it down, and see. We should. What color is his? Black. You got a black one. Yeah, Yeah, I got black too. So I use it. We use it for the daily. I use mine for the daily. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, X chair. X chair. NFLpod.com. Arizona Cardinals at the Seattle Seahawks. It's still a game of the week. It's still one of the best games. It's a division game. And uh, Russ is another week healed from mallet finger. Uh, <laughs> the Cardinals are favored by two and a half. But don't sleep on Seattle. Don't look at just the their road. record in Seattle. You got the 12s there. They like to be loud. The 12s. What are you looking for in this one? 
Uh, they like being called the 12s. They do? They do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They're the 12th man. The big big battle with Texas A&M. Who's the real 12th man? Well, they both they both like to claim it. Okay. What? Nothing. Just speaking to our Seattle fans here. Beautiful. Um, yeah, well, what does Russell Wilson look like this week? We, I don't another, know. another week removed from the mallet finger, another week of healing for one of the three greatest healers of all time. In theory, that should put him quite a way down the road, right? If he was well enough to play last week, but obviously still hampered by the mallet finger, a week of healing for a guy that prolific should be 100% now, right? And if he is 100%, what's then we've that got a game. Like? Yeah. If he isn't, they're boned. <laughs> They are uh, – I got asked the question today, what's wrong with Seattle? And <laughs> Is that not Russell Wilson lost his finger? The but, end. So they're, they're three and six, and obviously part of it is Russell Wilson's been hurt and missed football games. But the other part of it is, you know, the rest of the roster has just been depleted in recent years. And they rely on Russ to be great. And they oh, – this is on mute, man. <laughs> It should be muted. What's happening? This isn't even Harry's fault. That's a spam risk is calling me. It's a me. you fault. Spam risk calling me all, all, all throughout the day. Um, the Seattle roster has just gotten worse and worse. Remember, let's go back to the offseason, right? You're coming out of the offseason, and it's like, man, Seattle could really use some upgrades on the offensive line, and the cornerback room is a little up, you know, not great, and they could use some pass rushers, and then you get to the draft, and they've got three draft picks. The first one's in the second round. That was, the Jamal, that was all the investment that they made in Jamal Adams and Carlos Dunlap and all, just veterans for picks. Maybe we should be talking about Seattle strategy instead of the Rams strategy because they, it's similar, except the Rams still end up finding a way to get draft picks. So I think Seattle's roster has just gotten into a rough spot. You talk about the offensive line, it's still a bottom 10 unit. Dwayne Brown regressing a little bit here in his age 36 season. Don't we all regress in our age 36 season, no. Sam? No, my 36 was good. You were good at 36? Yeah. All right, well, well, Dwayne Brown just can't hang with you, apparently. No, that's true. Uh, but an elite Russ solves a lot. Yeah. Elite Russ plus DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf plus Tyler Lockett, and all those pieces are still available for the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, look, this is – it's not rocket science. Like, Russell Wilson is one of the best players in the NFL. He is a player for whom his entire team depends on him. If he's not there, of course the Seahawks are way worse. I mean, even before he got injured – we were like asking the question of, is this the year where even Russ is not capable of dragging this Seahawks team to the playoffs? Like maybe they don't even make it with Russ. Now they might make it even having lost uh, a few games of Russ, such as the state of the NFC and the six and seven seed and those kinds of things. But like, of course, they're going to look dramatically worse if he's not there and if he's not 100% healthy. Neither of those things have been true, or at least one of those things hasn't been true in the last few weeks. So the question is like. Where, how is he going to look this time around? Because clearly he wasn't ready last week. They got zero points. He had the worst game probably of his career. I haven't checked where that grade ranks, but it has to be. It was, it was pretty a, terrible. It was in the 30s. Right. Um, and it was only worse, like at the end of the game when he was just trying to do anything to put up some points. Um, so they need him. Like they need him back. Otherwise, I, I mean, I don't know how you gauge like what the issue is. Obviously, He's not 100% healthy coming back from this finger thing, right? But he's been cleared to play. So what is the actual what is the actual problem? Is it you just need to get used to playing again like the the mental the mental practice game you were running on your own pre-game every week didn't actually do anything? He was ready. I mean, he, that's 
that that part never should have gotten worse. He he played as many games as Geno Smith. That's what I'm saying. So was that maybe Mentally. turns out that isn't actually a thing, or is he actually physically more encumbered than we thought he was? Like because if he plays like that again, you're actually better off starting Geno Smith. Genuinely, if he plays like that, yeah. I mean, Geno Smith didn't put up grades in the 30s, right? Or a 29 passing grade. Um, with with Russ, I think a lot of it was physical. An adjusted completion percentage of 60, an actual completion percentage of 50, uh, four yards per attempt. That you know, three drops in there too. But that the actual throws weren't great. The decision making wasn't great. So that that's more of your mental part. Like when you're trying to force passes and three turnover worthy plays. He didn't have a turnover worthy play coming into the game. Right. So clearly there was rust or the finger or whatever. Uh, he had been playing pretty good football. But what, even when he was there for the first five weeks of the season, we said it was another year where it was big play heavy. And the, the new Shane Waldron offense was supposed to take a little bit of that pressure off, open up some of the intermediate routes, that 10 to 19-yard level where Russ now is great in like 21st in the NFL. He's, you're supposed to own that if you're Russell Wilson, if you're an elite quarterback. You're supposed to own that area. That's where Kyler Murray has taken his big strides, as I always reference. So that is where I think this offense needs to, to figure it out. It's been a lot of like, here's some underneath stuff, put Gerald Everett in space, use DK Metcalf a little bit differently. So that there's more underneath stuff. There's more of the downfield stuff that you know Russ excels at. Where's that intermediate level of the field? So the same thing I've been saying about the Cardinals these last couple of years. That's what they need to figure out. Plus, uh, Wilson's average time to throw, 3.5 seconds last year. That's up in like last week. That's Justin Fields' preseason territory. <laughs> That's an eternity of – that means nothing is – coming out of his hand in rhythm or, or on time. And that's not just a Russell Wilson thing. That is an everybody thing. That's the receivers. That's the scheme. Seattle has to figure that out. Um, and for the second straight week, I would say if there's an advantage, it's DK and Lockett against these corners for the Cardinals. So they have to attack there. They didn't do it well enough against, uh, against Green Bay. And then for Arizona, we still don't know if Kyler Murray is going to be back in 100%. Um, he's they, close is what yeah saying, right but this is like the problem is when you it's like the the boy that cried wolf right when you start off with an injury that was never really supposed to be a problem and then all of a sudden we're a couple of weeks later and you're still like oh he's right there like we're day to day he's high ankle too right and um, was it high ankle i, I thought it was, it was high ankle. high ankle so that's when it turns in instead of out in most high ankles in my in my years as a fan and not a doctor i mean those things are like at least three or four weeks for the most part. That's why we talked about Cordero Patterson you, having that, right? Are you sure that's true? Yeah, <laughs> that that's all true. That the high ankle thing is when you turn your that's leg it turns in. in? Yeah. It's in instead of out. Okay. Ask your dad. I'm not 100% that. sure that's true. What's a high... Well, Google it. I, as far as I'm aware, high ankle is not the direction in which your ankle changes, but it's when, uh, when you roll your ankle and it doesn't, like, torque those ligaments but it travels further up the leg and it's you just end higher up, yeah hmm. go ahead talk i'm reading <laughs> do your own research is what they tell you and steve's right there googling it um anyway the, if kylo murray isn't back in 100 obviously the arizona offense is dramatically different as well i don't think they're quite as dependent on kyler as the seahawks are with russ like they can get by with the run game with Colt McCoy, a quarterback, even if they can't dig out of a hole like, like last week. I can't tell. But if, if Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins aren't back in this offense, it is a completely different proposition. I can't tell. I could be wrong. No? But either way, okay. high ankles usually take a few weeks. I know I'm right about that. Well, that's true, yes. 
we have two two weeks of evidence with Colt McCoy under center. One was a really nice game against the San Francisco 49ers last week. Not so good against the Carolina Panthers. Panthers are number two in EPA per play allowed defensively against the pass. So perhaps a big part of why the Cardinals struggled last week. But uh, if it is, when Colt was good a couple weeks ago, it was all the short stuff underneath game. Seattle can be picked apart underneath. I thought they did a really nice job defensively, though, last week against the Packers. I will say, for whatever it's worth, for the second straight year, Seattle's defense starting to come together a little bit. You know, they're not they're not the best at anything, but they're getting a little bit better these last couple weeks against the Jags and against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Will they continue that trend against Arizona? Uh, doing my own research, the Orthopedic Associates of St. Augustine um, who I assume are legit, but have no possible evidence to suggest that. It's on the way. internet. It's got to be true. That's what I'm saying. Um, they say I'm right and you're wrong. A high ankle sprain is it's just high. high ankle sprains get their name from occurring above the ankle joint itself and generally require longer rehabilitation period to fully recover compared with a low ankle injury. But it is not to do with which direction your ankle turns. Maybe you can get a high ankle when you turn. Oh, I'm sure you can, but that's not more. how it. Like that's, that's not was, why it's a high ankle sprain. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I was saying. Either way, my expert opinion, Kyler Murray's a maybe. I got him questionable for this week. Yeah. So if Kyler, let's let's make two picks here. Wit, wit or without. <laughs> like we're in, uh, like we're in any uh, any Philly fans here? When we had, we went on the training camp tour, you got to order wit or without. Yeah. Wit or without. <laughs> Kyler Murray. What's your pick, wit? Yeah. Kyler Murray in the game for the Cardinals and or DeAndre Hopkins. Wit, Kyler Murray. Uh, they they win but don't cover. Cardinals win, don't cover. Yeah, without Kyler Murray, they don't win. Line changes without. Well, that's true. I assume. Uh, I'm going to go with or without. <laughs> it's Seattle. Wit or without. Wit or Seattle. without. Seattle. So you're going to go Arizona wit, and I'll go Seattle no matter what. Yeah, but they're not covering even wit. They're not covering, Correct. no matter what. Okay. So you're really taking Seattle. Huh? It's a two-and-a-half-point spread for Arizona. So with Kyler Murray, they win the game but don't cover. Right, so you're taking Seattle to cover no matter what. Yes. Okay. But not to win, necessarily. Okay. Because we're just, we're just going against the spread here. Um, yeah, I just think I, I don't want to overreact to Russ's first game back and, a road, and on the road against a Green Bay defense that's starting to come together. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to think there could, could be some good value here in Seattle. Plus a week of all-time great healing. Plus healing. I mean, Plus the healing. Um, another potential game of the week That's enough here. time for him to regrow a whole finger. Actually, before we get into the game of the week, more opportunities to win. Football fans, you ready to score some free bets? Well, now you can bet on any NFL game this week with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score – they can win $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. The sportsbook isn't yet available in your state. DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Think Jesse's got the same read? 
on TV this week, too? We're talking about the same stuff? Maybe. She's probably pushing the same promo. Maybe not the same promo code because ours is PFF. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code PFF. Bet $1 on either team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Of course, you must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Think Eric's called that number at all? No. Eric's not calling that number. No. Maybe he works on the hotline on the side. You think? He's like, you got a gambling problem? Go to uh, PFF Elite. Hmm. That's what he's telling people. But uh, 1-800-GAMBLER if you have a gambling problem. Let's go uh, Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings. Packers also favored on the road by two and a half, much like the Cardinals are. Yeah. Um, Minnesota gets the Packers, what, once a year? At least last year they did. What? They get the Packers, like they beat them. Beat them? Yes. Okay. Get to them. Get them. <laughs> once a year. They're going to get them? I mean, sometimes. Um, all This is, it's a weird game because all of a sudden, it, the, usually the focus is on like Aaron Rodgers versus Mike Zimmer's defense. It almost feels like it's the opposite, this this game. Like, all of a sudden, the focus is Green Bay's defense, which is suddenly putting up, like, record-setting numbers, and Minnesota's offense, which when they just, like, cut loose and say, you know what, Justin Jefferson's amazing, let's fire the ball his way a lot, is, is really good. And Kirk Cousins has dragged himself up to number two in passing grade, number one overall on the season, I think. Um, like, this is a fascinating matchup on this side of the ball. It is. It, you know, and uh, Mike Renner, our own Mike Renner, uh, said, hey, the Packers' safeties, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, the best duo. They are the best duo in the league, even though the grades don't say that. I understand what he's saying. Amos is awesome, makes, and he's always been pretty awesome. Make, made a ton of plays last week. But the way Green Bay's playing, which is the, the Staley tree, relies on those safeties, relies on disguise. And even though on paper – it shouldn't make sense, right, that Jair Alexander's out and he's their star and they've been re- relying on Rasul Douglas and rookie Eric Stokes and Kevin King. Green Bay's still making it work. they got the number five coverage grade. So that side of the ball will be fascinating to watch. And I think Green Bay is trending in the right def- direction defensively. And I'm wondering, Sam, the Rams started slow last year too. Remember, the Rams ended up with the best defense in the league last year when it came to just making life difficult for opposing passing offenses. The Packers aren't necessarily there yet from a grading standpoint. Again, they started slow, but are they moving in that right right direction over these last couple weeks? They've got that ability. They're also a team that, you know, more than most in the NFL, they actually have some, like, real reinforcements on the way on the horizon. You know what I mean? Like, they have been without Jair Alexander for most of the season, and he is arguably the best cornerback in the NFL. Um they are optimistic that at some point he is going to come back. They have been without Zadarius Smith, who's their best pass rusher for most of the season. Again, at some point, they are hopeful that he can return late in the season. They've been without David Bakhtiari on the offensive line, arguably the best left tackle in the NFL. Like, you're talking about three of the best players in the NFL at their respective positions and definitely the best players at their respective position on the team, all legitimately expected to return at some point for a team that expects to make the postseason. It's not going to help in this game, but down the road, like the Packers can actually really anticipate like a late season boost, unlike a lot of other teams. Similar question that I asked earlier in the season about the Chiefs and Mahomes. The Chiefs were still putting up points. 
you know, they had the turnovers, but they were putting up points early in the year despite Patrick Mahomes not playing his best football, despite his PFF grade being a little bit lower. Aaron Rodgers currently uh, 16th in PFF grade. Now, last week dragged him down a little bit, a 47 grade. That's very un-Rodgers-like uh, because, you know, he was he was rusty because, mm. you know, he came back on Saturday. He was officially back on Saturday. Didn't get to practice at all. But he'd been doing isolated yoga. Yeah, I mean, he was... All week. He recovered from COVID quickly, and he worked out, and he did all that stuff. And then, but he didn't get to practice football. So it's his second PFF passing grade of 44. 44 week one, 44 in week 10. Now, you could chalk up week one, of course, to Jeopardy. It was an offseason of Jeopardy, right? He was so focused on answers and questions that he had a bad week one. And then week 10 was the rust and coming off of COVID and all that stuff. So are either of those... Is the overall body of work from Rodgers concerning because the overall body of work is far lower than where he was last year, where he was one of the best of all time, Um, but it's also even lower than his down years of 2019 or 2017 or whatever it is. Any concerns with Rodgers here, or is it a reason for optimism that Green Bay's 8-2 and despite not having the best Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I think it's more optimistic than it is a potential concern for them going forward like Rodgers hasn't been playing at his best for most of the year but we know that capability is still there we've seen games where he's been fantastic so if you're Green Bay the fact that you haven't needed to lean on him as much and are still cooking I think is great the fact that you can get those three players back later in the year is great and then if Rodgers ever does catch fire you're going to be a really hard team to beat I think we might be. Are we looking at a low-scoring game here? Because Minnesota, again, their defense is trending in the right direction as well. Uh, they've done, you know, they've done some nice things just against, you know, third down. It's more Zimmer-esque, right? So they've been pretty good. Green Bay's defense has been pretty good. Are we talking about a defensive battle here, or does it get into that shootout territory like they've had? Uh, they've had a few of those shootout types of games over these last couple weeks. It is. It's going to be a really good one. It's in the dome. But uh, where are you leaning on this one besides the Packers? Because you always pick, you know, I know how you pick. Do you? You taking Minnesota this week? You're going to do it. Uh, Home dog. Home dog Vikings. Do it. No. Um, and this time Green Line backs me up. Green, by, Green, or Green Line thinks that Green Bay is worth significantly more, the algorithms <laughs> significantly more than the line. I think it's a really interesting battle. I just... My problem is I don't trust the Vikings coaching enough to play to their own strengths. Like the Vikings, if they just cut loose and said, this is our offense, air it out, would be a much more frightening team to opposing defenses than the one that usually shows up. Um, And they usually don't do that unless they're kind of backed into a corner or forced to do it because they didn't do it the week before. So the fact that they did it last week almost says to me that they're going to back back off again and just go back to this like, here's the... Uh, more in control, uh, lower aggression style of offense, and then only when they're down like 10 points are they going to kick into gear again and actually start racking up some yards. So, you know, Green Bay win. So you're taking Green Bay? Yeah. I'll go Vikings. I hate going against Green Line as much as I have, but, um, you know, we're playing the fields here sometimes because it's the PFF NFL podcast, and we could do that. It's our show. Green Bay for Sam. To win and cover the two and a half. Looks like people are betting it towards Minnesota. It's it was out at two and a half, and they feel they feel trendy because when you look at you know high level, there are a couple late you know weird late late game stuff away from 
you know, a much better record, whether it's Bengals in overtime, it's, you know, missed field goal against the Cardinals. They're really close, again, for whatever that's worth. And sometimes, you know, Bill Parcell said, you are what your record is, but sometimes you, you know, your record could have easily been something else. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, that stuff matters when you're looking forward, maybe not backwards. Hmm. So give me Minnesota. Let's pull the upset here this week, division matchup. Uh, hometown Cincinnati Bengals travel into Vegas. The, uh, the man in Vegas who sets spreads in lines has the Bengals favored by one coming off, coming off of their bye and coming off of back-to-back losses against the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. So the man in Vegas is not overreacting maybe to the Bengals, but is he overreacting to the Raiders getting crushed by the Chiefs last week? Would this be the line a week ago? I don't think so. No, but, but new information has come to new light. New information has come to light, yeah. Um, I mean, I think... The Raiders are now on a like – the, both teams are kind of on a bit of a skid at this point. Like, neither of them have played well in a while. The Raiders, I think – it's one of those things where, like, one game you can kind of throw out or ignore or park to the side for a while. When it happens two, two games in a row, you're like, oh, okay, now we need to start thinking about this. Um, the Raiders' offense – the Raiders' offense was kind of throttled by the Chiefs' defense. Like, that – whatever – all the talk, obviously, is about the fact that their defense rolled in there with this game plan that didn't have any correlation to how everybody else has been slowing down the Chiefs this year and got gashed because of <coughs> But, like, a kind of – the flip side of that is, by the way, Kansas City's – our defense absolutely murdered the, the Raiders' offense. Like, they didn't get anything going. Uh, and, you know, Deshaun Jackson is, is now there to be their – deep threat and try and add that back into the offense but it hasn't happened yet um and then the Bengals like they their defense has really fallen off as the year's gone on their offense I think was only really like the Jets game was fine for the offense they the Browns game was the one that would concern you so from their point of view I think we're only one game into their offensive struggles and that game felt weird in terms of, like, fluky. Every, basically every way that Jamar Chase could find it to screw up a pass and heading in his direction came happened in that game. And that was sort of the inevitable flip side of the opposite being true for most of the season. Like, any time the ball went in his direction, somehow it was a good thing. Um, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, which still skews towards one of the best playmakers in the NFL. The, the Bengals have been, like, the get-right spot, though. For offenses, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like their defense has really fallen off. Yeah, and and so they, it's a couple of get right spots on defense. Like the Bengals defense has single handle uh, handedly been responsible for just like narratives around the NFL. The Mike White narrative. They fixed the Browns alone like three times in the last twelve months. Yeah, right. I mean, so they were the reason why Mike White completed like 85 percent of his passes mike white has a jersey in the hall of fame because <laughs> of the Bengals. <laughs> and now we're like a week later and they're like sit down joe flacco's taking this one yeah now mike white has fallen so far from his perch that they're like oh no the dolphins blitz you can't you can't we can't put mike out do there. they like the hall of fame when that happens right and you have this like nice what did he fence. go there for oh just for 400 yards in his first start yeah yeah so like what happens to all of that crap right because i'm like a year's time, nobody's even going to know who Mike White is. You can't have that on display next to, like, Dick Butkus and mean Joe Green, right? 
do they just have this like warehouse under the building that's just stocked full of this crap that like for about a week and a half? They just was... keep expanding. They have hallways for but like your like, staff. But that's and my stuff. point. Like, there's no way that remains on display for longer than like four weeks because nobody is going to know who Mike White know. is Let's go up to in a year's time. Let's go up to Canada. I want to go. I want to go pay my so respects to Mike White. They it's must right have here. this like labyrinthine basement that's just stuffed full of this crap, right? Like players that for like a month time were flavor of the month and now nobody even remembers who they are like there's a peyton hillis wing under the basement somewhere in the hall of fame of like you know remember his ridiculous uh face mask thing with the like weird looking like hoop on it you know peyton peyton hillis's face mask the the madden cover uh the you know his boots from whatever game he had an incredible run and now it's you can't have that on display it's like who the hell is peyton hillis they have all of these displays, I assume. They There's just, no way that's on display. You just keep building new wings. They get the Mike White wing. The Mike White wing. Yeah. No. That place isn't big enough for that. Have you seen the size of that place? No. We should drive up. We should go up to Canton sometime. Is it open again? Let's go. Um, anyway, the Bengals put Mike White in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. They, they, they gave us the uh, you know, further... You push the Bakers better with the better without OBJ narrative. Mm-hmm. Look, they just scored a million points, and Baker had the highest grade this week. And now you saw Mike White horrible last week. Yep. And Baker horrible last week. And could be a get-right game for the Raiders at home in the Dome. So I like the Raiders in this one. I mean, it's a game where if they can't get right, it's time to start seriously writing off the season for them. Um, I'm wondering, coming out of the bye here with Cincinnati, do <clears throat> they? It's they've been Jamar Chase heavy, right? Yeah. But it's not like they don't have other pieces. They've got the the great CJ Azoma. They've got the great uh, T Higgins. They have uh, Tyler Boyd. They have other options too. It should be an, and Joe Mixon has run the ball really well this year too. And Chris Evans out of the backfield. I mean, they have well-rounded pieces in Cincinnati. Have they found a way to integrate all of that? And then, oh, by the way, when we need Jamar Chase to be special, let him be special. But it can't just be we're only going to create offense when he creates a 50-yard explosive play. It's got to be more consistent for the Bengals. Yeah, it is an interesting like check on how they were doing things. We were This offense was riding high based off every time we throw it in Jamar Chase's direction, something good happens, like even against the Bengals, right? Or against the Ravens, rather. The Ravens were blitzing. Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow was basically just went in doubt, find uh, Jamar Chase, and then he like skittles a couple of defenders and takes it for fifty yards, and it's a touchdown. Like that, that's not normal. I mean, that's no. not the way that's supposed to go. Uh, last week was the complete come down of that, and we saw the whole thing spiral out of control. It is interesting to see. Okay, is that an opportunity for them to adjust how they are spreading the ball around on offense and not just? relying so much on Jamar Chase because that's probably something that needed to happen at some point and this was an excuse to do it but it's not even when you look at the like Jamar Chase leads the team with 70 targets right but T Higgins is next with 57 it's not that big a discrepancy it's just that the production is yeah it's not the distribution it's the it's the production right I mean it really is that and it's not like a bad thing that Jamar Chase creates explosive plays and all that stuff. You just you need more from from the other one. But their top three receivers each have fifty targets: Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. All right, let's. Uh, the other part, Max Crosby, who we mentioned, thirteen pressures the other night, going up against Riley Reef for the most part here. Uh, Riley Reef, the epitome of the uh, the league average 
tackle. And Riley Reef ranks like amongst the best players that Max Crosby has gone up against this season. Yeah, and I think I think Max Crosby with a seventy grade. It's time to start really respecting what Max Crosby's doing on pace to what said uh, is the pressure record by JJ Watt. He's on pace to tie, I think, JJ Watt's pre- pressure record, obviously with a with an extra game. So, 119, which is nuts. Like four players or three players have topped 100 since we've been doing this. Yeah. So 16 years worth. J.J. Watt at 119 is mental. Like that's a ridiculous number. And Max Crosby is now on pace to tie that with a 17th game. So we're, uh, do you like Vegas in this one as well? Uh, yes. We sleeping on our hometown Bengals here? Um, no, because their defense has been bad recently, and their offense uh, was kind of held in check by a decent Browns team. All right, New Orleans Saints at the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles favored by two against the Saints. What are you looking for in this one? Um, this is an interesting game. Uh, the Eagles have stumbled into this game plan, which is, hey, if we actually run the ball with our really good offensive line and the threat of Jalen Hurts, have you noticed that everything gets easier? Like A, the running backs have production because it turns out we're good at that. B, Jalen Hurts isn't doing everything by himself. And C, the deep shots to Devontae Smith and, and uh, Quez Watkins become easier because we don't everybody's actually focused on other things. Does that still work against a team like New Orleans who have a really good defensive front and can actually potentially take a, a sledgehammer to that run game and force them somewhere else? And if if they do force them somewhere else, do we just go back to this like Jalen Hurts or nothing offense? Yeah, uh, Saints with the number one run defense, Graham. I mean, that is what, they do, what they're doing well. So, yeah, it's a, definitely a strength against strength. I, I expect the Eagles to continue what they're, what they're trying to do. Uh, they played a tight game last year with uh, Taysom Hill under center for the Saints. The other, the other part of this is the last two weeks for the Saints, I think – the passing grades have been good for Trevor Simeon. You're just you're, I think you're starting to see the lack of receiving depth catch up for the Saints, where you just you you're not getting those explosive plays. You're getting good, uh, generally good quarterback play from Simeon. Um, he wasn't as good. He wasn't good in relief against the Bucks, really throw for throw because he right. got away with the end zone interception that didn't count or whatever. But he's thrown the ball well the last couple of weeks. But you're just the receiving depth is depth is coming back to bite the Saints. And it, it's going to be a tough game. They've, they're coming off their two best run. They shut down Tennessee in the non-Derrick Henry offense. They are stout up front in New Orleans. So I, I love that battle. And I think that'll keep – it'll be close. I assume I'm, – I'm expecting another close game. The Saints have lost by two each of the last two weeks. So they are. They're five and four. They're that close to being, you know, seven and two. And But I, I just wonder if they're running out of time here in the the – the bad parts of the roster are starting to catch up to the Saints here. Yeah, and their offensive line is really crumbling as well. Like they had, they've had the two best or two of the best tackles in the NFL for a number of years. The interior has become kind of eroded. The tackles are getting injured as well, or like Armstead is getting injured. Um, so all of a sudden, like what was this great offensive line, one of the best platforms for any quarterback to work from, hasn't been for a while. Um, and like Philadelphia's defensive front might not be quite what it used to be, but it's still good enough to take advantage over weaknesses, take advantage of weaknesses inside. And by the way, that like the fact that that offensive line is sort of falling apart a little bit is another um, 
another mark in the Sean Payton coach of the year kind of tally, right? Not just what he's doing with Trevor Simeon, but the fact that he's doing it without an offensive line that you would say is like top three in the NFL. Like that, that unit has not been what it was supposed to be, and he's still getting it done. We, the one part that I might like for the Saints, though, we always talk about the Eagles off uh, defense letting the underneath completions and all that stuff. So that's, that is generally where the Sean Payton offense excels, right? So you could have another pretty good game from Trevor Simeon distributing the ball. Eagles, uh, deep passing watch, still only allowed nine completions, uh, tied for second fewest in the NFL behind the Bills. So I think you're going to see the underneath stuff available for the Saints. And, uh, you know, maybe I am leaning towards Sean Payton getting back in that that coach of the year discussion, which we did discuss on the PFF NFL Daily today. Some debate on the coach of the year stuff um, and who should be the guy uh, so far this season. Uh, so I don't love the way the Saints are trending these last couple of weeks, but I think their strength against uh, the Eagles' strength, the run, their run defense strength against what the Eagles are trying to do, I think the, the Saints will take them out of their game plan. So give me the Saints in this one, especially with the Eagles favored by two, man. That's surprising to me. Yeah, I People don't like – soured on the Saints. And it is, it's still Trevor Simeon at quarterback too. So at one right. point, when does he become the Trevor Simeon? As you mentioned, those back-to-back – passing grades we have never seen that in trevor simeon's career yeah i don't like i don't like the idea of what happens if new orleans is able to shut down that philadelphia run game i I think that that offense goes to pieces a little bit if that happens and i think there's a pretty good chance of that happening so yeah i'm with you new orleans we're both taking the saints here even though philly's trending they're trending man Steven Sam, both taking the same. We agree on the last two. The money is uh, all going in on Philly, though. 63% of the money. People are buying in. What are their playoff? I was trying to pull up their playoff odds. Do you have those handy? Nope. Based off PFF green line. Where are the power rankings here? Where's Philly? They have a 21% chance to make the playoffs. So they are still uh, in the hunt, Sam. In the hunt, along with everybody else in the NFC. Along with everyone else besides the Lions. But if they win this, certainly goes a long way so we'll both take new orleans getting the two points here baltimore ravens at the chicago bears ravens coming off a bye they're favored by four and a half i'm sorry not coming off a bye they're coming off the thursday night game last time we saw the ravens cover two. Oh no it's cover two what do we do we cover zero the uh the zero blitz that the dolphins threw at the baltimore ravens with no answers wonder if they practiced that a little bit this week but mm-hmm. uh what are you looking for in this particular game yeah so <laughs> This is like the, it's another version of that. Like, there's the blueprint, but it's not what you do. So, what do you do with that? Um, the Miami Dolphins, I think, genuinely showed people a game plan to stop Baltimore's offense. But, A, not every team in the NFL is equipped to do that, right? The only way, you can only blitz, you can only zero blitz with both your safeties, like every play, if you're comfortable with the guys you then for you therefore have locked up one-on-one in coverage behind them, right? Yep. And Miami have thrown an absolute boatload of money and resources at those guys in the last couple of years. So, frankly, nobody in the league should be more comfortable with those guys holding up one-on-one and doing that. Now, you still have to do it. You still have to trust them to do that. But, like, it works for them in a way it probably doesn't work for a lot of other teams. Chicago is not a team that likes to blitz. They're pretty low in general blitz rate. They're pretty low in defensive back blitz rate. So I would think it's very unlikely that they try and emulate that game plan. Now, that puts them in the situation that we were sort of anticipating Miami, which was in, which is generally blitzing is still a thing that impacts Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. But 
if you don't do it the way that the Dolphins did, you do expose yourself to that like, oh, he's gone 40 yards. Third and 10, you know, Lamar's just going to pick up 30 and you're screwed. And it, it still might be a net win over the course of the game, but those plays are, are backbreaking and demoralizing and it might take you out of the game plan completely. So do Chicago still try and blitz him and still try and get aggressive or do they just they just go, look, this is our defense. We're going to play how we play and hope that's good enough. It felt like the Dolphins were blitzing like that in part, but they, they, they weren't blitzing just to like get the ball out of Lamar's hands or to make him make quick decisions. It was also to take away those escape lanes that you're talking about because – Theoretically, if you blitz, that was the biggest part, right? Of it. And the the biggest part was the discipline, yeah. with which they said, "Okay, um, who was just who was breaking that down recently?" That you know, there's there's six gaps, right? There's right. six escape lanes, and if you rush four, you know, two of them are open. Yeah, so they just run. added two guys and right. took away all of the lanes. So you take away every every lane and just make sure you play disciplined. And now all you're saying is, "Okay, win from the pocket and win from the pocket quickly." So you got to make quick decisions, right. get rid of the ball, throw the ball accurately, and and have answers to it schematically. The Ravens. We're off on all of those things. So that's kind of like the benefit to it. So it isn't a game plan that you just you can just draw up every single week. The other part for the Bears, Khalil Mack still banged up. Eddie and it's Jackson a hyper-aggressive one. Like even if yeah. you are going to do that, you need to have real confidence in what you're doing to say, yes, we, we are going to have this tightrope, high-wire act of a defense because we think that's the best way of doing it. But when it goes wrong, it's going to go wrong to the tune of an 80-yard touchdown. They didn't even change their defensive look, their their pre-snap look, the Dolphins, was seven guys, I mean, within two yards of the of the line of scrimmage, and then just four across yep. up top. It, it, it looked like the uh, the four across up top looked like your third and 13 defense, right, where everybody just kind of like sits at the sticks and say, okay, nothing nothing at the sticks here, right? Don't let anything behind you. That's what, they look, that's what it looked like pre-snap every single time, especially on third down. So, yeah, it, I don't think we necessarily see that from the Bears. Now, on the other side, we might see the Ravens do that to Justin Fields and the Bears. Yeah. It's the same thing, right? It's we're bringing the zero blitz, which we love to do. We're bringing a ton of blitzes. That's where Fields and the Bears have really struggled this year. That's where Fields was having a lot of his issues early in the season. And let's see if uh, has he truly turned a corner like we saw in the Pittsburgh game on Monday Night Football or um, is this is pass protection and setting protections and knowing where you're unblocked in your hots are is that still an issue for the bears fields has got some really interesting splits now this year he's got a passing grade of or an overall grade of 83.3 when he's kept clean that's pretty good the grade under pressure is 34.5 um not blitzed it's a grade of 70 when he's blitzed it's a grade of 54 um so his performance has been night and day when it comes to dealing with pressure now somebody at some point and i forget who this was so apologies um was asking like how much is how much are his numbers um when it comes to pressure and time in the pocket and all those kinds of things like how much are they determined essentially entirely by that game against the browns um because that was such a disaster such a train wreck that that can like legitimately skew numbers in that direction so um yeah if we take that out let's see what happens you're going to need to talk for a minute because this was a longer process to get around to that. Oh, I was I, expecting you to have the answers. I was trying to get there, but it was convoluted to, to the maneuver my way around there. Ravens are favored by four and a half. Road game against the Bears. Uh, I don't completely know what to make of the Bears. There's a lot of confusing things. It's start, you know, starting with uh, inconsistent rookie quarterback play from Justin Fields. 
inconsistent play defensively. We've seen the Bears' defense absolutely torched. We see we've seen there there's points in the seasons where season where their production numbers against the pass have been pretty good, but they've been um, aided mostly by their pass rush, not necessarily by what they're doing on the back end. So the Bears are just a confusing team overall, Sam. So if you take out Week Three, it makes almost no difference to the numbers whatsoever. There we go. Right. Uh, glad we. So in this particular that. instance, it is not being skewed by uh, Week Three, but there are other numbers that are potentially skewed by that. So what are you looking for in this one? Knowing what we know about Fields and what we've seen here, uh, we we hit a point early in the season where we said, "Look, Trevor Lawrence, he turned a corner," and we wanted to set a nice, nice, easy narrative that the corner was turning. Mean, actually, looking back, Sam. Trevor Lawrence's get-right game was against the Bengals, too. Mm. That was when he turned the corner. We're going to start the Cincinnati corner turners is what they are. That would be a bad nickname. Get-right Bengals defense. Um, is, it too, are we, uh, is it an overreaction to say, well, Fields just graded at 90 against Pittsburgh, Monday Night Football. The previous game was pretty good, too, against San Francisco. Are we, are we out of the woods here when it comes to Fields? In his 36th grade, 60, 51, some of those early season grades that were just disgusting. I don't think we're out of the woods, but I think he's definitely taken strides in the right direction. Um, Fields has looked more impressive, and in particular, that Steelers game was a game that on paper before it, you could easily have seen that going in the other direction. Like, he could have, the Steelers have the kind of defense where they could have put him in that Cleveland situation where just nothing was working, but it didn't happen. He actually looked impressive and was really. Uh, throwing some absolutely beautiful passes late in the game and obviously made that key scramble, all those kinds of things. So, yeah, Fields looked a lot better last week. The Baltimore Ravens defense, though, is one of those ones where it's like Belichick against young quarterbacks, right? It's just throwing things at you that most teams don't. And so even if you understand how you're supposed to beat it, it's just seeing that for the first time in live action is different. And I could easily see this being a team that Fields and the Bears offense – struggles with it does feel like when they have problems right now a big part of it is just the protection schemes generally and I don't know how much of that is on fields versus the offensive line versus the play call itself but they don't yet seem like they're capable of correctly adjusting the blocking scheme so that it picks up the players it's supposed to pick up and even if you're capable of doing that, Baltimore is going to make you wrong a bunch of times by sending guys from weird angles and dropping players off that you thought were going to be rushing, all those kinds of things. So I think he's definitely going to have some problems under pressure in this game. The question is, is it enough to kind of offset or to take away the big plays that he's capable of making? Yeah, the number I always like to cite is the percentage of pressure dropbacks that have become sacks. And that has still remained an issue for Justin Fields. He's right about 30%. It's a really high number. you you really want to be 15% or lower. And when you face a blitz-heavy team like the Ravens, they inherently get more pressure. Some of it's unblocked. Some of it, you just you get rid of it. You throw hot off of it or whatever. It might not be the most impactful pressure, but it's going to get there. Um, so I'm expecting Fields to get sacked another four or five times in this game, which has been, uh, you know, again, pretty common commonplace for them this year. And I kind of expect Baltimore's offense to bounce back because I just don't, I don't think the Chicago Bears are going to attack them the same way, and they've been way better when, when teams haven't done that to them. I'm with you on both. Are we going to agreement again here? Baltimore to cover the four and a half on the road? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm not completely... I don't, don't have a ton of faith in the Bears. Impressive uh, almost win <laughs> against the Steelers on Monday Night Football. Uh but I'll take the Ravens in this one. Washington football team at the Carolina Panthers. 
We got Ron Rivera versus Cam. Cam Newton trending to start for the Carolina Panthers. Five and five, the number seven seed in the NFC. We spent all offseason, the, the, the entire season saying they went and got Stephon Gilmore. They got Cam Newton. They're just collecting all these Patriots from last year. The Panthers still believe they can make the playoffs. And as of today, they're in the hunt. Just a couple of in the hunt playoffs. They're teams the hunt. In, in the they NFC. are the hunt. They're the hunt dead. The Panthers are being hunted because they're the number seven seed right now. What are you looking for in this one? Washington's right in the playoff picture as well, if you look at that graphic. Yeah, every, um, every non-line team is in the hunt <laughs> in the NFC. That's correct. The New York Giants are a playoff contender right now. Um, the, yeah, so obviously Cam Newton is the story uh, with this game. Like, he came in last week. You know, he was obviously – he's a cheat code in short yardage stuff. It's easy. But now we get to see – the one thing that Washington's defense has been doing well is still getting a lot of pressure. Even without Chase Young, I would imagine they're still able to get a lot of pressure on what is a pretty bad Carolina offensive line. So now, what does that look like if you're Cam Newton? You have the best receiving core you've ever had to work with. You have a good offensive mind calling the plays. You um, you know, are capable of making some special things happen yourselves or yourself. But you are dealing with a really bad offensive line right now, and you should be under pressure quite a lot. To what extent is Cam Newton able to just kind of offset that and say, I don't really care about this pressure. This is how I play the game. We're going to get it done anyway. Yeah, good stuff. I, I, sorry, I got Jimmy Smith quote tweeting me over here. You got Jimmy Smith quote Jimmy tweeting Smith, me? Jimmy Smith, yeah. Why? Well, because Josh Norris was making the point the other day how the Jets had given up 173 points, and that's more than the 2,000 Ravens. Yeah. So, of course, I... You know, make my Mark Brunel jokes, right? I said, well, the Mark Brunel-led Jags scored 22% of those 165 points that the Ravens gave up that, that year in uh-huh. one game. 22% of those points in one game. Uh-huh. So now Jimmy Smith, the uh, future Hall of Fame receiver of the Jaguars, has quoted tw- quote tweeted me saying, well, who was he throwing to? Because uh, Jimmy went off for 291 yards in that game. So, sorry, I just I can't focus on the football team Carolina game here. Jimmy's, uh, Jimmy's selling autographed jerseys. You should get yourself one. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Jimmy's uh, he's active. Some stuff here. He's active. Just, just DM the man. He'll uh, he'll hook you up. I will for a couple hundred. Bucks. Jimmy was an awesome football player. He was. But yeah, the um, should be a Hall of Famer. Should be absolutely should be a Hall of Famer. He was as good as Marvin Harrison in their prime. They yes, were, they both had like 140 catches. And one didn't year. have Peyton Manning throwing in the ball. Now this is where your Mark Brunel love kind of puts you into conflict, right? Because I can still love Mark Brunel and say yes, Peyton Manning was better than him. Like I understand. Good because you you need to. I understand reality. <laughs> I am unbiased in my evaluations. Yeah. Always, I enjoyed watching Mark Brunel play. He brought me joy watching him play football. How's that? Anyway. Speaking of joy, Cam Newton, infectious joy in the locker room. That's what they said. He brings all the energy and all that stuff. He's always brought that. Uh, what are you expecting from Cam, though? There's got to be a little rust from him, too. If, if Russ was rusty and Rodgers was rusty, Cam might be a little rusty as well. well. He played last week. We're all good. True. And he just threw touchdowns and ran for touchdowns. So the short yardage game immediately gets better for Carolina. Uh, do you realize how, how, how really good – Christian McCaffrey has been too at, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield. He's yeah. only I mean, they're thirty for thirty one when targeting him, but a ninety three point six receiving grade, three point one eight yards per route run. Where's the first down? He is McCaffrey's third in the league in receiving first downs among running backs. He's only played five games. So he has been he really has been I know we joked about like, well, the offense got so much worse when he left. Sam Darnold was relying on McCaffrey a ton during, uh, early early in the season, and he was converting first down after first down after first down. 
And we mentioned on the daily when we talked about Cam coming back, this might be the best group of playmakers Cam's ever played with, at least yeah. in name value. Robbie Anderson's production, how much of that has been dependent on Sam Darnold, but Robbie Anderson as a deep threat. DJ Moore, probably Cam's best receiver since Steve Smith. And McCaffrey coming out of the backfield. I'm interested in seeing that that combo here with Cam and, and uh, the pass catchers, despite that offensive line. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a great group to, to work with, particularly with McCaffrey. I mean, McCaffrey last week, poor old Zayvon Collins, um, like the, the game fell apart for uh, Arizona in like the first few minutes. They kept turning the ball over. But every time they turned the ball over, like the first play was somebody somebody attacking Zayvon Collins. Like the first one was McCaffrey out in the flat, and he just like ran around Zayvon Collins. And then the next one was uh, Collins blowing contain on the Cam Newton short yardage run. Like, again, Newton just runs around him and stiff, arm, stiff arms him as well. So the guy didn't actually play that much, but was basically responsible for two of the biggest plays in the game. Um, but McCaffrey can do that to people, even elite, uh, athletic, big, imposing linebackers. So... He is a huge part of this offense, um, but I am I'm also intrigued. Like, what does the system look like with Cam Newton there? Because he's he's been shoehorned into three or four different offenses that have never really um, they've been trying to make him more efficient, right? They've been trying to maximize the things that he can do whilst not while sort of limiting the damage that him not being the most efficient passer in the world from an accuracy standpoint down to down creates so do, do we do we pivot back towards the sort of low impact uh christian mccaffrey led offense that he they tried to make him run what is it 2017 2018 i believe 18 yeah. yep um or do they say no we have robbie anderson one of the better deep threats in the nfl we have dj moore we've got players that can attack deep down the field that's where we need to live uh on the other side really quick uh, chase young out for the season now unfortunately uh jonathan allen balling on the defensive interior uh third best uh, third best grade right now behind Cameron Hayward and Aaron Donald on the defensive interior so keep an eye on Allen against that offensive line uh you mentioned last week before the Tampa Bay game if Taylor Heineke takes care of the ball it's kind of like a different offense now he got away with a couple last week that just bucks dropped uh, an interception or two but Heineke made a ton of huge throws on third down I don't know if they can keep up that third down success that they had last week and that you know 20 minute drive to end the game where the football team imposed their will on the Super Bowl contending Tampa Bay Bucks. so it is an interesting game and playoff you know one of these teams is moving closer to the playoff picture here so where are you going in this game uh Carolina will, by three by the way I will take Carolina oh man I'd sick of agreeing with you here I I Washington could Washington's kind of like Miami, right? Preseason had had some hype. We expected better from them, and now they're finally moving in the right direction. I think briefly, but I'm not buying into it either. I'll take Carolina. What does Cam look like? I think he, I, I think he just looks okay. I think he'll look pretty good. I think he looks okay, just okay. Okay, but Carolina right. wins. Right. Their defense, man, defense is number two in EPA per play allowed against the pass, and that's gonna give Heineke and the football team some issues. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Los Angeles Chargers. That is Sunday night football, like an old-school Roethlisberger versus Rivers matchup. They had some, you know, class of 04. Had some good ones through the years. Well, the class of 04 is gone for the Chargers. It's Herbert time. And Big Ben might be playing, might be back from COVID. Mike Tomlin says uh, they're building a game plan for Mason Rudolph's strengths and weaknesses. But 
Big Ben has had many times throughout the years where he has not been a part of preparation or the game plan or whatever, and he's just rolled in and played. So, <laughs> what does that even look like? I don't know. That's like the, what is the five game plan? plans he's comfortable with or whatever. <laughs> what is a game plan that plays into Mason Rudolph's strength? I don't know. It was some strong coach, be- coach speak. Yeah. Like we're going to rally around Rudolph and what he does well and what he doesn't do. You know, we're going we're gonna to do those things. And then Big Ben is going to jump onto a moving bus, basically. Tomlin, jump onto the moving bus and run the Mason Rudolph game plan when he's ready. Tomlin says so many things <laughs> that would be like ridiculous if it wasn't for the fact that he keeps winning all on all the time. They also do That's things. not a ridiculous thing. That's a pretty normal coach thing to say. Yeah, but like it's Mason Rudolph. You can't, like, you know what I mean? You're going to build around Mason Rudolph? Like, he does something well. He throws a good deep comeback. Did at one point, at least. Yeah. I'm, right? He doesn't He doesn't run the ball well, so they're not going to run zone read stuff. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're just saying we're going to build also, around what he does. They also do things differently to most franchises. Almost top to bottom, actually. Like, they... The new CBA, the new West CBA, like the amount of practice time being limited and, and actual contact and stuff. When, when you go to like training camp and see how the Steelers hit versus other teams, it's insane. Like the Steelers <coughs> are full contact, like full pads, ready to go from like day one. Everybody else is just jogging around doing their insults and stuff. It's amazing the difference between them. And, you know, Tomlin, Tomlin says a lot of things that are kind of old schooly coach speak and kind of things that people were saying decades ago and now most of them don't and yet again like it, it works Tomlin is doing an insane job with this team that really isn't that good um and this is I think an interesting game because of that like you would look at this on paper and you say easy chargers win they're better but you have to give Tomlin some kind of credit for what's happening there where's green line have the I gotta get get green line up where it, do they have the the offense right now for the Steelers because they have been right near the bottom. Thirty-one. Yeah, this entire season, thirty-one, and to be winning those, to be winning games, and of course, yeah, that includes last week against the Lions with some weather and all that stuff. But even before that, they were pretty low, number thirty-one in ELO rating, but still sitting here at five-three and one, screwing up all of our standings. Uh, Steelers defense though ranks eighth in the ELO rankings, and so they've <clears throat> they've once again. Kept them close, kept them in the mix here. But this is the start of a, of a tough second half, I think. Uh, second half of the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Got to play Baltimore twice. It is the most difficult schedule in the NFL. And playing the Chargers, who have dropped a lot in our, in our rankings, actually. They're down to 21st. So they've lost a ton of luster since early in the season when it looked like they could have been right in the mix as the best team in the AFC. The Chargers aren't even the team that is making this one of the more difficult schedule, the most difficult schedule in the NFL. But that's based off our rankings. I think the reality is Herbert, I mean, it's, that is reality. But Herbert can play well, and the defense can stop the pass a little bit. And it's a, it's a tough game. I, I'm, I'm liking the Chargers, too. They've just been in a funk, though. I'm kind of fascinated by where is this conservatism in this Chargers offense coming from. Um, <clears throat> Justin Herbert right now is an average depth of target of 7.5 yards. There are only four quarterbacks lower than that. One is Jared Goff, one is Mike White, one is Ben Roethlisberger, and one is Kirk Cousins. Um, He's also got a big-time throw rate, only marginally higher than Ben Roethlisberger. Like, he has a profile right now of a a game-managing quarterback, really. Like, a low low big-time throw rate, one of the lowest turnover-worthy play rates in the NFL, a really low average depth of target. But then every week you turn on the tape and you see Justin Herbert making an insane throw 
that him and like two or three other guys can make. You're like, why? Why is this not the offense? Like, why are we? Why are we running this Alex Smithian type of deal here? Where is this coming from? Yeah, I don't know if it's you know Joe Lombardi and it's the Saints, you know, a Saints tree where they they do win more in the horizontal game, right? The Saints and the Breeze offense is more underneath, 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 and then they take their shots. They take a, a shot play here and there. They throw one up the seam and all that stuff. But it's like when you talk about those offenses, like all those plays are in the playbook, Sam. Right. But it's about how like, how do you how do you get them in the flow? Like if you had a Drew Brees over the last couple of years, you'd say, we're going to take three shots in this game, maybe, right? And you just say, when we have Justin Herbert, you should be taking 10, right? You should just be taking more shots because of what he's capable of and attacking different pl- parts of the field. So it is a it is a curious trend for the Chargers that Herbert has been um, the, be, the, made to be a little bit more conservative, I'd say. The one area where you would say, okay, I don't know how much of this is, that offense forcing him that way is like his average at the target last year was really low as well. He's yeah. been under eight both seasons. Last year was 7.8 um, for his career now at 7.7. Like they're, and, but and those again, things, <clears throat> so I, I think when you talk about stuff that the quarterback controls and the stuff that maybe a coordinator or whatever controls, sack rate we've seen is generally on the quarterback. That is a thing that uh, – that moves with systems, right? Tom Brady doesn't get sacked a lot. It's going to happen in New England. It's going to happen in Bruce Arians' system, Peyton Manning, whatever. Um, but we've seen average depth of target and the ability to attack downfield move with coordinators, right? We just saw Brady become more of a downfield passer in the Arian system. We've seen Matthew Stafford change coordinators, and that goes up by four per per attempt. And so it comes to me that comes down more to the play caller. Stuff like sack rate sticks with the quarterback. The ability to throw the ball down the field or be aggressive down the field, I think, falls more on on your play caller. And and even though Herbert has done it across two different play callers now in two in two years, where he's been on the more conservative side. Yeah, I mean that's the point I'm making is that it's been across two different guys from last year to this year. So if you're sort of looking at this and saying, "Oh, Herbert is just being held back by this conservative offense that's making him play in this Alex Smith style," you would be like, "Yeah, but I mean, it didn't look that much different last year, and it was a different." Play caller. Green line likes uh, the Chargers here, I believe. No, likes the Steelers. Where are you going in this one? Chargers uh, by five and a half, by the way. Yeah, which I think is out to six and a half now. Okay, so that that's more in line. Yeah, it is. It is up to six and a half. You're right. So Green line initially would have taken, initially would have taken the Chargers, but six and a half is a little bit too much. Uh, yes, for Green Line, at the moment they would have been a little bit in between. I'm with I'm with Green Line here. I'll take Pittsburgh to just you know keep it close. Again, this is dependent too. This is dependent on Big Ben being there. If it's Rudolph, I'll take the Chargers. <laughs> Even though they build a game plan around Rudolph's strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, I think Big Ben will run a better Mason Rudolph game plan than Mason Rudolph will. Wow, that's my that's my feel now. Um, uh. I'm out on Rudolph. It's the Chargers, so they're always going to play a close game. But I don't want to agree with you every time, so I'm going to pick the Chargers to cover. All right, there you go. Uh, maybe you'll get Rudolph. By the way, he played about the same as Big Ben did on Sunday. Very similar style. They're not that different in, at the moment. I just think Big Ben has got a few more of those clutchy plays in him when he needs them. And be, he just he's got the history of doing it. Uh, the rest of the games aren't great, Sam. Miami Dolphins <laughs> at the New York Jets. Oh, boy. 
<clears throat> Dolphins by three and a half at, uh, on the road against the Jets and Joe Flacco. Yes, Joe Flacco. We need Flacco in the game because the Dolphins are going to blitz. God knows Mike White That's can't That's really do what with they that. were saying. Yeah. They literally said, you know, Zach Wilson isn't ready yet, coming back from injury, and the Dolphins blitz a lot, so we want Joe Flacco's experience. You must love this. I mean, this is what you said you would do if you were the Broncos earlier in the year. Ah, we're playing a tough team, Drew Locke. Yeah, we're going to go with Drew Locke. Tough team. Teddy's too conservative. Can't do that. You would, you would come out and admit these ridiculous things that you, know, you should be hiding with Coach Speak. We joke about Coach Speak, but I feel like the Jets should be, you know, Robert Sala should at least be disguising this a little bit. No, no, no. There, there is a huge difference between me suggesting that two very stylistically different quarterbacks might have, might be better suited for individual games on a team that expects to win games over the course of the season. But their then style the Jets, is dependent on then their the skill Jets, level. The Jets, who suck... And whose only like positivity for the rest of the year is making sure your draft picks are as high as possible. For the Jets at this point to come out and say, we need Joe Flacco because he gives us the best chance of winning this pointless-ass game in the middle of November, that's ridiculous. Even if you believe it's true, which I'm not sure it is. You, are, you used to really hate any time Matt Castle played football. Yeah. And, and because once you know... Once you know you've got Matt Castle, you know what Matt Castle is, right? You know what Joe Flacco is at this point. You just, you know, we still don't. Matt, Mike White. And Flacco, have, by the way, is better than Matt Castle was. Oh, yeah. I get, yeah, I get it. I think you still have, you could still get more information on Mike White. Like, is he going to be a long-term backup? Right? He had a nice game a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It was fine. It was inflated against the Bengals, but it was fine. He was on a, a bit of a roll against the Colts on Thursday Night Football before getting hurt, and then he was terrible last week yeah but like as an organization aren't you better off learning more about mike white and seeing the bills have the best pass defense in the league that's what he went up against last week like he would have success against the dolphins but you're that afraid of him against the blitz that's just that's just odd well you got to get the guy that gives you the best chance of beating the dolphins right now um the thing to root for in this game right the jets own the number one and number two highest turnover-worthy play rates in the NFL. Mike White and Zach Wilson. Flacco has a couple of uh, couple of those in this game. We could get number one, two, and three. So we're rooting for just turnover-worthy plays from Flacco. Just a couple. Just to get him up there into the top three, and then the Jets can <clears throat> then they can park it for the rest of the year, knowing that they've sewn up the top three turnover-worthy play rates in the NFL. And then for the Dolphins, the two is back, right? Officially back. Remember, he was not healthy enough to start on Thursday night football, but he was healthy enough to come into relief, in relief of Jacoby Brissett and help lead the win against the Baltimore Ravens. So it's just more Tua going up against the Jets team that has given up 173 points over the last four weeks. And that was why the, the, Jets, uh, the Jaguars discussion we were just having, the Baltimore Ravens of 2000 gave up just 165 points in the entire season. The Jets have given up 173 over the last four games. The Jets have, an, have a defense that can't stop anything, and Miami has the worst offensive line in the NFL by a mile. This is fascinating. It's going to be great. Miami's offensive line has given up 172 total pressures this season. I think the next highest team is 120-something. Um, 172 would rank in like the top 10 from last year, like the whole season. 2018 Cardinals-esque. That was the Rosen yeah. Cardinals, right? And there's the one record. random Chargers year in there as well that gave up like a like a ridiculous not, number of pressures. Not surprising. But 
Also, the line is doing that despite being protected reasonably well by a ton of RPOs and a pretty quick release time from Tua. Now, okay, Jacoby Brissett has been playing some of the time, so that's not going to help. But generally speaking, this line has been protected in a way some of these other teams haven't been. This might be the worst pass-blocking offensive line we have ever seen in 15 years of grading. Like, that is how bad we are talking here. So any analysis of Tua has to start with that as a caveat, right? This offensive, he is working behind the worst offensive line we have ever seen in the last 15 years. Now, okay, we can still try and like learn something from his play, but we have to acknowledge that is a factor playing into this here. So I don't think, you know, I kind of tweeted some of these things. People are like, oh, so two is good. It's like, no, I don't, look, we can't say that two is good. Like there's no evidence of that. But I think you can say that I don't think we can tell how good he is based off what he's dealing with right now. And there is evidence that he makes both the offensive line and the receivers better than Jacoby Brissett, who we know is not like a... Jacoby Brissett isn't a worthless quarterback. He is a high-end backup who has shown he's capable of playing and starting games. He's one of your favorites. That too. But like, it's not like, you know, there are quarterbacks... That if you threw out there and you're like, oh, two is better than that guy, you'd be like, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> of course he is. Everybody is. But Brissett is like being better than Jacoby Brissett in, in a clear way in terms of making other people around you better, I think is a notable thing when you're discussing Tua. It is one of the data points that really works in Tua's favor. The opposite of what we said for Justin Fields, the percentage of pressure dropbacks, which is a ton. Percentage of pressure dropbacks that turn into sacks. For Tua, it's only 12%. For Fields, remember, it was about 30%. Tua's tied for sixth lowest percentage in the NFL, which, again, lower is better. Dak is is tied with him at 12. Uh, you're just behind Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, Kirk Cousins, guys that have done a pretty good job there. So Mike White's actually number one, that number. Hmm. So uh, maybe Mike White does handle pressure pretty well. Well, that or that number isn't everything. <laughs> That's definitely not the only number to look at for sure. Uh, by the way, Joe Flacco, uh, I'll have to find. Where does Joe Flacco? Where is Joe Flacco in this number in his career? It does. It's got to be over 20. Right? I think Joe he's over Flacco, 20. obliviousness in the pocket. Let me just really quick. Pressure 17.6%. He's been but he's been over 20 in each of his last I'm sorry, those were his first 3 seasons. Yeah. He's been over his tw- over twenty the last time he had a full season. So, anyway, where are you going in this one? Flacco um, versus the Dolphins. The not Flacco. No, I think Flacco turns it around for the Jets. Yeah, gives yeah. him the best chance of winning the game. Home dog. You never bet against Flacco as a home dog. That's a rule. <laughs> that has always been a rule. That is the rule. I don't feel good about this at all. Poor old Josh Johnson, by the way. <clears throat> Dude yeah, comes in here, Johnson balls out, and it's like, no, we traded a sixth-round pick for Joe Flacco so that we can beat the Dolphins one game. Houston Texans at the Tennessee Titans. Titans by 10. Your number one seed, Tennessee Titans, going up against the, uh, the Texans here. What are you looking for in this one? This is the first time I've been even vaguely interested in a Texans game for quite a while, except when it became clear late in the day that, uh, that Tyra Taylor was going to be playing Jacoby Brissett. That yep. got me on board last minute. But otherwise, just like ahead of a game, looking at it, you're like, eh. I think there's a real chance that the Texans spring a ridiculous upset in this game. Really? It's a 10-point spread. The, the Titans are favored by 10, and they're clearly a much better team than Houston, obviously. 
but I maintain that they have been riding their luck a little bit and riding a wave that's just unsustainable in terms of maintaining that peak pitch of emotion and intensity against really good opposition. Next week, they face the Patriots, right? Yes. So there's a couple of good teams on the horizon, and in the middle of it all is Houston. At home, in a game that you're favored by 10, you're going to win. If ever there was a game to like switch off mentally and look ahead to next week, it's now. And of course, with Tyrod Taylor, a quarterback, the Texans are dangerous. <laughs> I don't know. I just think... Your Tyrod speed. You give your Tyrod speed. I do just think that seriously, there is a chance that Tennessee doesn't really show up in this game in a way that hasn't happened for like five straight weeks. Um, they're finally the idea that they can't really run the ball well anymore, minus Derrick Henry, uh, that they don't have all these receivers, that they basically got A.J. Brown left and that's it. All of us, and they don't, you know, if their defense doesn't show up and like generate a couple of turnovers like they did with Stafford and the Rams, all of a sudden I could easily see the Texans springing a ridiculous upset here. So using premium stats 2.0, which again, 25% off using the promo code NFLPOD. Here's, here's my analysis on the Titans, right? And might back up what you're saying. <clears throat> if you look at, and it's not always the best proxy, but just the overall team grade that the Titans have had in games this year. So you go to the Titans page, sort by overall team grade. The best grade that they had was against the Kansas City Chiefs in week seven when they dominated 27 to three. But their worst grades, you've got week one against the Cardinals, which has been, pretty, that's the Titans, one of their throwaway games, right? Everything was bad. Last, the last two games though, Saints and Rams, are the lowest game grades for the Titans. And so it the Titans analysis is difficult because the the name players, the the names of the players should not be eliciting the results that they've been getting as far as wins and losses, which on one hand is really impressive and we we've talked a lot about Mike Vrabel, coach of the year candidate, what he's done. Ryan Tannehill continues to play really good football. The dudes are hurt, but guys like Marcus Johnson are stepping up. But the actual play the last two weeks compared to the rest of the season is a tick lower for the Titans. So even though they've beaten the Saints and the Rams these last two weeks, and the Rams one was emphatic, it was emphatic in part because of a pick six and a pick to the five. So those two plays completely changed the complexion of the Titans-Rams game. Uh, and they're, they're, they're plays that the Titans made. But they're also they're like high leverage volatile type of play. So that's kind of like making up making your point here. The Titans haven't played as well these last couple of weeks, but they found a way to win. Yeah. So on one hand, credit, they found a way to win. On the other hand, when you're predicting going forward, if they do that again, this is an upset watch. And it's I think, at least a cover watch for ten points. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Houston covering the ten. Maybe not go to the extreme level that you think. Maybe the Texans pull this one off. Yeah. And look, they could easily roll and beat the Texans the same way they beat everybody else, but. That's the whole point about picking an upset, right? It wouldn't, <laughs> you're not playing the odds here. You're playing what you think has a shot of happening. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I think they're certainly, not certainly, but I think Houston is going to cover, and I think there's a very real chance they win this game. I keep typing both. I, I want to go, I'm going back and forth on it. This Tennessee is still a much better team than the Houston Texans. Give me Houston to cover, too. So, we're both taking Houston to cover. You think Houston's actually going to win, too? Guaranteed. I, Guarantee victory? Guarantee to win, yes. For Tyrod and the Houston uh, Texans? Joe Namath. Three more games to discuss. The New York Giants at the Tampa Bay Bucks. It's Monday Night Football. Bucks favored by 10.5, coming off a very disappointing loss against the football team. What are you looking for in this game? Um, Can that Giants offense start to piece itself back together again? They 
were starting to take kind of baby steps in the right direction and then everybody got injured and they've been miserable from that point on can they like they've had some time to get a little bit healthy andrew thomas is coming back from ir can they actually get that functioning again thomas it seems crazy based off his rookie year where thomas was like getting just a turnstile by comparison to Tristan Wirfs and to Mackay Becton and all these other first-round tackles, he looked ridiculous, and he was the first guy taken. And he took a massive step forward heading into the year, and all of a sudden him not being there has been a disaster for that Giants offensive line. If he's back and performing reasonably well, if they get the receivers back, like finally we might start to see this offense actually look okay again. The uh, the Bucks have been like a completely different team at home versus on the road, and that's why I, I, I wonder um, – Vegas isn't overreacting to it because they're they're favoring them by by ten and a half. But uh, the Bucks have averaged over forty points a game at home and just twenty three on the road. So they're coming off this road game against the football team where they just have not uh, played as well. And now they're back home. And I, I think sometimes you get again you get caught up in like the last thing you saw. Bucks have coming they're coming off two road losses. I think they bounce back strong here. Uh, Monday Night Football. Uh, don't know where Antonio Brown. We don't have the official uh, injury report as of right now, just yet. But there's a Antonio Brown might it might be tough to get him back. Rob Gronkowski could be back, but I think that's also going to be a big factor. Once the Bucks get healthy on the perimeter with receivers and tight ends, they're going to be you know just as dangerous once again. Yeah, I mean the flip side being that while they are, we've been praising them for a while talking about how great their depth is at receiver and playmakers and all those kinds of things but when they've been tested and they've had like lost a few of those guys it hasn't looked as good it's been a real challenge for them and Tom Brady hasn't had his best game for a long time now so his last four Brady's last four weeks have not been nearly as good as what he was the first five weeks Um, he's still barely the highest graded quarterback at the moment and it's just holding on because he was so much higher than everyone else uh, so it might be a case that, that down the stretch, Tampa Bay looks an awful lot better or into the playoffs when it really matters, but they could still stumble for a little bit until they get all those guys back. Um, from a Bucks perspective, if you're looking for that number one seed and you're competing with the Packers and the Cardinals and all these other teams in the NFC, I mean, it is this stretch. It should have started last week. They, should, they are a better team than Washington. They should beat the Giants. They got to go to Indianapolis to play the Colts, and they go to Atlanta to play the Falcons. Like, this is a three-game stretch where if Tampa Bay is going to get the number one seed, they need to take care of business because then they have the Bills coming up at home in week 14, then the Saints. So the Bucs, uh, you know, didn't play their best game at all last week. A couple of rough ones on the road against the Saints and football team, but I expect them to play much better at home here. Giants, uh, Daniel Jones has just kind of tapered off. I know you mentioned the offensive line and everything, but tapered off after a really encouraging start to the season. Yeah. Daniel. I, I'm just I want to get see them get healthy so we can see what that actually looks like because I was encouraged by Daniel Jones earlier in the season it's been ugly recently but I don't think it's his fault the Giants coverage unit that I called feisty all last year three straight grades in the green from uh, from a coverage standpoint against the Panthers the Chiefs they held Mahomes and the Chiefs to 20 and then the Raiders so they're also trending in the right direction I don't know if I'm completely overrating trends in recent weeks and all that stuff but um, there are some interesting things in there. The Giants have been torched for a few weeks against teams like the Cowboys and the Rams, and now they're they got a little bit better leading into their bye. Where are you leaning in uh, Giants Bucks Monday Night Football? Uh, I think the Giants cover, but Tampa Bay wins. <clears throat> You're going Giants here, huh? 
I'm buying into the Bucks uh, home home away splits here. So I'll take the Bucks to cover the ten and a half. San Francisco Giant. Uh, hmm. Giants. Nope. It's my old team. Yeah. Buster Posey. If you're if you're a listener, we need you tomorrow night. Come catch University of Cincinnati, San Francisco 49ers. Because we were talking about the New York Giants, and I went to San Francisco. I just blended the two, and uh-huh. I'm still bitter they released me. I would be, yeah, yeah, sad. What a sad. I was so on my sister's birthday, rough day at the end of spring training. It's cold business. San Francisco 49ers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Niners are favored by six. Saw a fun little stat. CBS Sports Line. They love to put fun little stats that are small samples and whatever the story is but jimmy garoppolo's got the best road record of all time did you know that the best road record of yeah, all time 800 he's an 800 quarterback <laughs> on the road 24 and 6 i didn't know that it's like yeah. it's small sample jimmy garoppolo patrick mahomes lamar jackson and then brady and manning so you know jimmy's basically the best quarterback of all time on the road yeah he's also like the best graded quarterback in the nfl over like the last three weeks oh yeah you know, that right up, it's like Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing so badly, we've got to have Trey Lance out here at some point soon. And then Jimmy G has a good game. It's like, all right, stay, the, kept the Wolves at bay for another week and then has another good game. And then beats the Rams, has another good game. They're cooking, man. They're right. cooking offensively. The last three weeks, Jimmy Garoppolo is the number one graded quarterback in the NFL. That, that list is fascinating, by the way. Number one, Jimmy G. Number two, Mac Jones. Number three, Justin Fields. Number four, Kirk Cousins. It, it is a fascinating list and also why we probably shouldn't take three and four week samples <laughs> but i mean that is jimmy garoppolo again he now has a 70 grade for the season last year he was a 67 the year before 77 uh the year before that it was small sample before that he did have a little stretch of an 86 but um he's just you know water finds its level man and he was way well below his level and he's he's getting back this is kind of what he is he's a QB that grades in the 70s. This is better than his level, though. Like, this run? Well, the last three weeks is, I'm saying, but you take the whole season, and now he's where he should have been. He was never as bad as what we saw early in the year. He's probably not as good as this stretch. He's somewhere in the middle. Sure. Which is what his season grade says, a 70. I mean, I'm kind of curious to uh, as to how long he can, can sustain the good run. Um, because... I still believe that we are like a bad Jimmy G game away from them to just toss the keys to Trey Lance and being like, all right, you're the guy that gives us the upside. The season's kind of on the line here. Let's see what we've got. Um, but we haven't had one of those for three weeks. I, I'm, st- I'm starting to buy into the company line that this is like Jimmy G's team, though. And their line is like, yeah, it's, it's in 2021, it's Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's the guy. He gives us the best chance to win. I really think they're going to ride that thing out. Yeah, but he only gives you the best chance to win when he's playing like he has the last three weeks. When he played like he did the first however many, that wasn't giving you the best chance to win. That's true. The company line three weeks ago was, I suppose. Yeah, I right. suppose he's the starter. Exactly, and I still think that that's the case. I think, I think we're like one terrible game away from them being like, I mean, all right, let's, uh, let's think about that again. It's just that we've had, he's literally week-to-week has been kicking it down the line a bit. Man, Debo Samuel was so fun to watch on Monday. He's questionable with a shin, limited participant on Wednesday. Uh, on Wednesday but I am – they used him as a running back. I am all in on all of that. We've had – we spent a little time in the offseason talking about the value of using running backs and the receivers as running backs and all that stuff. That was fun, man. He is He is tough. You just want to get the ball in his hands as much as possible, and he's having an incredible season as far as creating big plays. 49ers are another one of those teams that's quietly getting healthy. Trent Williams back at left tackle, George Kittle back at tight end, Debo in the lineup. Like, when they have those guys, those are three of their more important players. When they're all playing, that's a big reason why Jimmy G is looking a lot better. So the 4-5 and Niners, we have a 31% chance for them 
to make the playoffs. Carolina, who's ahead of them in the standings, we have them at 19%. So those, uh, of those teams mostly looking for the seventh seed, Minnesota at 36%. They're four and five, 36%. And then the Niners at four and five, 31%. And they are both higher than the team, the Carolina Panthers, who is ahead in the standings because the Panthers have a uh, very difficult schedule. But the Niners, 26th most difficult schedule. So certainly on the easier side, when you talk about what they have going forward, of course, this week against the Jags when they're favored by six is a big part of that. So, um, of course, on the Jags side, I will say pass rush has been better in recent weeks. One of these days, Trevor Lawrence is going to stop trying to turn the ball over, but I don't know if it's going to be this week. I agree. You think the Niners cover on the road here? Yeah. All right. Was it, uh, was it in Jacksonville? No, it was uh, in San Francisco a couple years ago. The uh, Shanahan, it was when it was 2017 when the Jags had that really good defense at Shanahan. Just it doesn't matter this week, but <laughs> absolutely lit them up like Christmas Eve or something like that. I mean, look, you got to remember that Urban is convinced they're just they're right on the cusp, they're right there. I think one of these weeks, the Jags defense puts a puts up a good game. Like we're, we're gonna come, there well, he had did, it was the Josh they did two weeks game. ago. They did, uh, Josh Allen's cooking, man. Uh, San Francisco, uh, give me the Jags. To, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not taking the Jags to cover. Go on. You I've can done do it. too much of it. You can do it, and then you can send Jimmy Smith the clip. All right, maybe he'll give Jags, you a free jersey. Jags to cover. Trevor Lawrence takes care of the ball this week. He's doing it. Trevor, big-time throw. Four big-time throws. No turnover-worthy plays coming out of this game. Trevor Lawrence. San Francisco, come-down game off the Monday Night Football, and we got Jimmy G, Trey Lance watch coming out of this. Okay. All right. Oh, wow. <laughs> Detroit Lions at the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Cleveland scored seven points last week. They're favored by 11.5 at home against the Detroit Lions. They'll Jerry need- Goff's been hurt, and uh, Tim Boyle's been taking some, some football snaps. They'll need, to, uh, they'll need to score more than seven to cover? Yes. Yeah. That's why you tune in Yeah, the PFF NFL podcast. Am I crazy to think yes. that, that Tim Boyle could actually be an upgrade for Detroit? Ugh. Jared Goston playing really badly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, terribly. And look, you, I was kind of on board with the idea that Jared Goff might not look quite so terrible in a new environment with a quarterback coach that isn't trying to, like, hey, do what I say until the, until the uh, voice disappears in your head and then just figure it out yourself. It hasn't worked. He's been awful. Now, it's a bad situation. It's not all him. But the Dan Campbell line from a few weeks ago kind of is true. It's like, look. It's not a good situation. We're a work in progress. Things are, you know, it's going to take some time. But Jared Goff has to be, you know, better. Has to make some plays. Has to do some things that he hasn't been doing. And that has to happen. Hasn't happened. In fact, if anything, it's gotten worse. Uh, you, you had mentioned this in the offseason at one point, And I was, I was hoping it would never be the case. Oh, right. I said that, right? You I said did Tim Boyle will get snaps at some point. This is not a new take for you here in week 11. That's true. This I've did happen that. before the season. And just for those, who, those of you who don't know who Tim Boyle is, he went to Shame UConn. On and Shame on you Shame for a start. Eastern Kentucky, big strapping young man, 6'4", 232. Got a great QB body and the whole thing. And uh, there was a point at UConn where he had one touchdown and like 11 interceptions. I mean, there's nothing in his statistical college profile that says, man, he should be a future NFL quarterback. <laughs> Rolls into the preseason for Green Bay. 2018, he's like the buzz of preseason. The preseason in 2019, 
356 yards and six touchdowns and an 80 PFF grade. Like he actually played well yeah. in the preseason. Didn't play great in the preseason this year on only 41 dropbacks. But let's just forget about that. Tim Boyle is a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. He is an August phenomenon is what he is. Not like Almost like uh, Kyle Sloter. No. Come on. That's not pathetic. You know that Sloter? Tim Boyle, a phenomenon. So if he does end up playing football, we could actually just see him, you know, chucking it. Just chucking it all over the place, and who knows what happens. He's not like he, so. Every now and again, you get a backup quarterback playing a game, and you're like, ugh, like there's just nothing. Like there's no point in this game now, right? Like we're getting nothing out. You of You only want backups where you haven't seen them before. Yeah, you just want. Then, the, not you just want that the I box. haven't. You want just, like the unopened box. Not just that I haven't seen them before, but that there's something somewhere in the dude's profile that says, all right, watching him might be kind of interesting, right? Like a few years ago, everybody was actually personally insulted at the idea that Nick Mullins would be playing a football game and they had to sit through it. But Nick Mullins in college was a really good quarterback. And within the Shanahan offense, you're like, this might not be crazy. Like this might actually be fun to watch. And it was briefly. Now, okay, it turned out Nick Mullins over the long stretch was not good enough to be starting games in the NFL. But for one game, he tore up the Raiders defense and it was kind of fun to watch. Tim Boyle is very unlikely to be a starting quarterback at any point in his career. But we've seen multiple years now of really good preseason play from him. And he's got size and he's got tutelage under Aaron Rodgers, whatever that's worth. Um, There are things about his game that make you go, all right, I'm curious to see how this works in one game against, against the Cleveland Browns. I still want to see Jared Goff. I want to see Goff bounce back what, here. What, what, is, what is with you and needing to see Jared Goff play more games? How many more games do you need to see of Jared Goff a couple more before seasons. you are convinced I need a couple more that it's seasons. just not a thing? Because he had good years with the Rams. He had like one good year. He had solid years with the Rams. Yeah. Solid quarterback and with then the Rams. He, he, he fell he, off a cliff. It's so steep an angle that his own team was like not only are we moving on from you but we're like willing to trade a first round pick and a salary dump to make it happen maybe they were wrong yeah you think not going right not going well the last couple weeks Stafford no they weren't wrong they were they were the right still going better than golf Stafford's definitely better than golf I get it uh green line doesn't think it's uh the spread's strong enough so Greenline likes the, the Browns, but even more than the 11 and a Greenline half. clearly hasn't factored in preseason Tim Boyle into the equation. No, and that would bring it back down to like six, probably, <laughs> in, the, in the Lions' favor. Preseason Tim Boyle, 17-point difference. I'm just saying, I think there's a real chance that Tim Boyle has a better game than we've seen from Jared Goff. What's the weather like in this game? Is this going to be another weather uh, write-it-off or Baker Mayfield game? Well, it depends Cleveland, whether Tim Boyle beats him up or not. Weather Sunday. Uh, Baker going to bounce back here or what? Ooh, 47 and rainy. Ooh. Uh, well, then he's definitely going to be better than Goff would have been. <laughs> oh, maybe that's got, why. He's got hands big enough to hold the ball. Goff's got that, like, uh, rain-itis going through. Dan Campbell does not want to watch Jared Goff play football once again in precipitation. Yeah, look, Tim Boyle's out here with a 9 and 5 eighths. So Much 5 full eighths. Higher than Jared Goff. This is this is analytics. This is science. This is analytics. In the rain, you need those five eights. The uh, the Lions have a football information department, not an analytics department, and I'm sure they're using that football information here to help make their decision. Well, that's football information. It is. It's, it's very eights. good football information. Uh, will Baker Mayfield and the Browns, as banged up as he is, look better than they did last week against they the Patriots? Can't look worse. Almost it? certainly, right? Yeah. So it's going to be another good game for the Browns. Another good game without Odell Beckham. 
And their defense should look better as well, whether it's Tim Boyle or Jared Goff. And not a lot of guys to throw to. I'll take the Browns. I'm going with Green Line. Browns to cover. Uh, yeah, I think they'll cover, but I think Tim Boyle will look better than Jared Goff did. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll never know unless they both play in the same game. If they both play, we'll, we'll have some A-B analysis here. But uh, don't sleep on Dan Campbell coming off his first non-loss, too. Coming off his first what, non What's that going to do? I have no idea. Maybe they're on their way to a win. Upset win. Working their way up? Yes. Loss, draw, win. Yeah. First non-loss. It's a big day. Big day for the Lions. I'll take the Browns to cover. Where are you going? I already said. I don't remember. The Browns to cover. Browns to cover. Uh, we A lot of agreement this week. Smart. Not going to pull away from me this week. There we go. That's all. Uh, that's 14 games. The 15th was on Wednesday's podcast. That was the Thursday night preview. So there we go. We'll be back on Monday. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Don't forget your promo code, 25% off any PFF subscription using the promo code NFLPOD. We need more of you to sign up because, you know, we've got competitions mm. with the other podcasts. And they're trying to tell us, hey, you know, higher percentages of their listeners are signing up and all that stuff. And we just, that is unacceptable. We can't have that. We're a team here. We're a family. And we're offering this to our family members only. NFL pod, 25% off. So we appreciate everybody here. We appreciate everybody that's uh, joining the PFF family through our subscriptions. Is this and, happening uh, on the show right now? He's showing no, me. No, that's someone's computer. No. Are you sure? Oh, were they? I think they might have Was been. that on the show? I think were they, they might showing, have been showing you? people what you get with your premiums. See, there you go. Oh, yeah. That's how you do it. That's where you go. See, we're advertising. We're selling things here this now. This is good selling. Thank you, Tyler. That's this how you great. give back this is to where us, you go. the podcast, is you subscribe yeah, using yeah, we're, the promo code. Yeah, we're actually code, showing it. PFF, or what was our promo code? NFL Pod. NFL that's Pod. Our promo code. NFL Pod. That NFL way we get the credit. That's where you create your account. That's yeah. where you do all the stuff. Now, we're out of here. We've got baseball tomorrow. All right. Tomorrow, baseball. Hopefully, look for some footage. Find me a catcher. We'll be back on Monday with all the Week 11 reviews. See you guys. Wave time.